0: Yeah, I, uh, I'm still not the handiest person. Um, you know what was the biggest bitch of this move though is putting those fucking shelves together that I put my collectibles in.
1: Are you kidding me? You sound ridiculous. Do you know how much I had to do? Like living down here in the goddamn wilderness, I can repair a toilet. I just jumped a car yesterday. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Podcast X, episode 11, where we'll be recapping San Diego Comic-Con 2022. Um, I am one of your hosts, Ben Kendrick. I am joined by my co-host,
2: Mr. Rob Keyes. Hey, today's my first holiday in seven years, but I'm here recording this podcast for you because I, I love you. And special guest, Kofi
0: Outlaw. What up? Back from uh, Comic-Con,
1: and boy, are my wings
0: tired. <laughs> Yeah, you said you didn't sleep much last night Is it just like the excitement wearing down from Comic-Con Or like you had other stuff going on? No, just getting back in I've had to hit the ground running There's been a lot going on at home Gotcha.
1: You know, you're coming from Comic-Con And it's really quickly back to real life And, you know, (laughs) shit happens and There's been a lot of shit happening around my way So, you know, I was just kind of half stressed out Half worn out And, you know, I have kids So people were up and, and roaming around in the
0: night (laughs) <laughs> I guess it's true. The world, the world, the real world doesn't stop for Comic-Con. Um, the way we, we probably hope it would, but just a heads up guys, I'm going to be a little bit quiet on this episode. Rona finally caught up with me. I'm on the mend, but, uh, you know, I'm a little bit more disconnected from what was happening at, at San Diego Comic-Con as well as I'm also nursing a bit of a, uh, of a sore throat still. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I expect that these two fine gentlemen are going to be speaking a bit more than I I do normally. So it's not for lack of interest on my part. I'm just uh, I'm attempting to preserve my voice. Um. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into it because we have a lot to get through. We want to spend a significant amount of time at the end of this conversation. We're going to go chronologically through the week. Um, the guys are going to talk. You know, Kofi was on the ground at Comic-Con, so he's going to talk about some of the cool stuff he saw, like, you know, with his own eyes. Rob was, was punching things out remotely for screen rant. And I was a casual observer this time. Just getting to kind of like check things out as they were happening. So, um, got a few different perspectives of, uh, of the event to, to sort of share with you guys. And, but what I was, what I was going to say is we want to kind of save a big chunk at the end of this to talk about all the Marvel stuff that, uh, you know, that happened. Um, you know, there was some DC stuff obviously with, with the WB panel and, and everything, but you know, as Marvel is wont to do, they they spend a lot of time doing announcements and dropping dropping news in, in Hall H. So um, we want to spend time talking about that. So we're just going to jump right in. Um, we're going to, like I said, go chronologically. So we're going to start off talking about Thursday. Um, Thursday, you know, traditionally is kind of a slower day. You know, everybody's sort of getting... Getting arriving at the event. Oh, yeah. There stop, stop
1: it. You weren't on the ground. You don't know you don't okay.
0: know what you're just
1: <laughs> doing. Stop. <laughs> stop. I'm just saying just typically stop. typically <laughs> there's nothing there's, typical. There's First stopping. of all, let me stop this okay. guy and save him from himself. I was looking at how to make dinner for my family tomorrow. Um, I'm back though. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I multitask. I told you there's a lot of shit that goes down around here. Um so, taco pasta if you're wondering. Taco pasta—it's going to be awesome. I'm flipping the tacos I made today into taco pasta tomorrow. Whoa. This is how you survive Ooh. a family life. You kids are <laughs> just learning your paddle ones. You'll be Jedi one day. But um, <laughs> so um, from the ground, Comic Con 22 was different vibes for sure. Um, everybody was back outside. It was—it's been three years. There was a—I mean—that came up in just about every panel, and it was a very palpable thing. Like people were there was a renewed sense of just kind of appreciation and vigor for being there, being with everybody, being able to do this event. So um, there, there wasn't really a slow day. Like Thursday was like off to the races. People were just happy to be back in a panel in hall H or whatever room they were in. And people were out there. I mean, and credit to the comic, San Diego, you know, convention center staff, they had it all set up. I mean, there was a lot of process on Thursday in the mess of just getting everybody bracelets. You had to have your vaccination health pass to get a bracelet. You had to keep this party bracelet on all 4 days or you had to get back in the line and get a new one and prove it all over again to, you know, make sure you were either vaxed or had a negative test and you had to always have that so people could just, you know, quick look and confirm on everybody. Everybody had to wear a mask inside. Like, it was pretty well structured and organized, and they were really on crowd control this year. Like, it was real tight. So, yeah, Thursday was off to the races, and people were excited. Everybody was just kind of like, like I said, San Diego, downtown, you know, the gas lamp District, all of that. Everybody was happy to be back. Businesses were happy, and, and like, people needed this, right? Like, <laughs> movie studios needed this. Comic-Con needed this. San Diego needed this. All the San Diego businesses needed this. So people – I mean, this is also Biden's America. So people charged the fuck out of you. So, like, there was a lot of (laughs) upcharging gouges and all that stuff because right now people are just charging you out the ass for everything. So, yeah. I mean, food was crazy, all that stuff, but uh, even more so than usual. So, But the the vigor was there. Like, people were happy to be back and – that was palpable all throughout the weekend, and there wasn't any crazy incidents. So, you know, it was a good it was a good vibe for the most part. Um, so, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, this wasn't you know, as Ben was trying to allude to uh, from his jaded ex reporter ways, is <laughs> that like Thursday is not where it's not the premium showcase of goods, right? Because people are still working on Thursday, um, you know, for the most part it's, but that's true of any con, whether it's New York comic con or, uh, the anime conventions that are now happening, you know, and all that, like Thursday is just for the real dedicated hardcore fans or the four day past people. And then when people start to get off of work on Friday, or of course on Saturday, you know, those are the crazier days. So, you know, the programs and the studios plan accordingly, but, uh, I think, you know, Team Paramount, we did it, we did it right on the first day uh, by kind of having Dungeons and Dragons be the main showcase of that day in a lot of ways. So good planning. Go team Paramount. Um <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of jokes about that. And Paramount's huge. I, I ran into people who we now just bounce like pachinko chips into Paramount. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, D&D was there. They had this tavern experience. That was like the Wednesday night meetup, the preview night meetup for everybody. We kind of saw old friends and, and people at Comic-Con and you know, everybody got to kind of like see each other, all the industry people. You know the usual crowd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to the usual crowd. Shout out to people. I walked right in and like first thing I saw was just Wilson taking photos of people. And I was like, Oh of course, boy, yeah. nothing's changed. Yeah. yeah. we're back <laughs> yeah. again, legend. <laughs> and I just was like, I came up behind him and I whispered, I was like, I think you're losing too much flash. And he got like all mad and then he looked and he was like, <laughs> Oh my God. He didn't realize he hadn't seen me in years, but it was hilarious. But anyway, so Dungeons and Dragons kicked off the panel and uh, yeah, we got the um, first trailer for it and we got to really see it. I was in that panel. Covering for comicbook.com and doing a live recap, which I've forgotten what it's like in there, man. It's crazy. It's a lot of writing. But uh, yeah, we did D&D, go Team Paramount. Um, And for my point, and I'm not just saying this is a paid Paramount employee, but uh, I I thought I was pleasantly surprised because Dungeons & Dragons hasn't really been on my radar. I played a lot of knockoff D&D when I was a kid. Like, I played the ones, like, uh, what was the one? I forget the name, Dungeon Master or something. Like, it was D&D, but it also had, like, a physical game board. Yeah, I had he that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to play that with my best friend, Ransom, all the time, like, for hours. I was a big Stratego player, too, and I and I want to get into that one day. But, uh, yeah, I was a big Stratego player. But anyway, so, but John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who have done things like Game Night and Vacation uh, Reboot, you know, they obviously are taking a kind of mix of comedy and action, but this was very kind of Spielberg kind of Amblin throwback to me in terms of what we saw in terms of like footage, in terms of of mixing practical effects with CGI. Uh, The trailer you saw in kind of gave you a good overview, even more so than we got in some of the clips, but they did show several clips from the film. Uh, Both were pretty entertaining when you see the actual film. The first was this funny sequence where this party Who's made up of Chris Pine, who's a bard? Um, Michelle Rodriguez, who's a barbarian, Justice Smith, uh, who's a sorcerer, and Sophia Lewis, or Sophia Lillis, who's the druid and a shapeshifter. They're trying to track down this artifact, and the only people and they go to the graveyard of the barbarians, you know Michelle Rodriguez's people because it was lost during this battle where a bunch of them died. So Justice Smith's character, the magic is a mage and he's a necro. He has necromancing you know, abilities. So they have to raise the dead, but they only get like five questions for each corpse. Each time they raise a corpse and they have to try to find where this mystical helm is. So, it's this comedic sequence where they like, at first it's like coming out of the Simpsons, they raise up a corpse and they are all arguing and like asking, just like trying to, how do we approach this? And like, how do we do this? <laughs> okay. And they end up using up all their questions with the first corpse. And he's like, is that a, you asked him a question. And he's like, did I ask that? And he's like, yes. And, he, and, and so the corpse like falls back down and he's like, damn it. And so like, then they have to dig up a second one and like do it the same thing. And that guy like starts to tell his whole story. And it turns out like the the legend is wrong a lot of the time, like who had it when, you know, who carried this helmet, where, when is all kind of like messed up and wrong. So they keep talking to people and each time they talk to somebody, there's this, they do actual flashback sequences to this huge battle sequence that you see in the trailer with a dragon flying by and spitting out like the, you know, the glass and all that stuff. Those are, that's a flashback to the barbarian battle. So they keep going back to this battle, this very expensive battle. And you see all these different dudes dying in different ways, but it keeps getting more and more comedic. So eventually it gets so out in the woods that they're talking to like a guy who is supposed to have run with the helm all the way back to the barbarian village and taken it. And he tells a story about how he heard the battle and got out of the bath. And then you see him getting out of the bath and he slips, falls and cracks his head on the tub. And that's how he died. And like, they're like, wait, so you don't know where this helm is. And he's like, no. And he's like, well, you'd have to go ask this other guy. And they're like, and it's just funny. And after a while, it speeds up. So it's just like, you know, almost like Requiem for a Dream style of them. Like, you know, digging, opening, spell casting, getting this next corpse up. And it's just funny. But like, by the end of it, they've dug up like half this graveyard. And they're just like, you know, sort of kind of figuring this out. So that's like one clip. And and like, again, it was like really These guys do good comedy so it was like and you know all these actors are really good especially chris pine who was like leading most of the scene and like he it's just hilarious like him trying to interview these corpses and all these different things and the corpses are all animatronic so or or you know extensive prosthetic actors Hmm. so like it it's really it really has that kind of like throwback like like i said like princess bride kind of feel to it and um it, it worked And so the second scene we saw was a clip of them in an actual, what would be the movie's kind of equivalent of an actual D and D game in progress. Jeff, or um, Hugh Grant plays this game master uh, character who is the rogue or call he's called, but like, he's a game master. He's basically grandmaster uh, from Marvel. Um, And he puts them in this shifting maze, right? And they're there and they're playing against other parties. One of the other parties is the D and D cast from the other movie that they did.
0: Oh, um, that's awesome.
1: And, and so like, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. So in this sequence, you see those actors like are in it. Um, and they're, and I'm not a D again, not a D and D deep guy. So fans were freaking out because the monster that they unleash into the shifting maze is a Panther with these two like Venus flytrap things coming out of its back and it casts like illusions of itself and can fool people. And it's a famous D&D monster. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the name, guys. Um, but there's this whole sequence of them, and it showed you a pretty good like clip of the, or chunk of it, of them going through this maze and our kind of party of heroes trying to help each other get through this all. And it had all these D&D signatures, like chests that you pop open, and it had axes and weapons. Other chests that, like, Michelle Rodriguez tries to pop one open. You saw this in the trailer, and it's like, uh, it's a trap, and it tries to eat her and all this stuff, um, and like yeah, that sequence ends with like Chris Pine thinks he's about to get the jump on this monster, uh, but he doesn't realize it's an illusion, and the actual monster's like coming around the corner of a maze and looks like it's about to yeah, get him, cool. and so you don't know what's gonna happen, but I think his I think Sophia Lillis or somebody's gonna save his ass, but um. Yeah, and so it was cool, and it was actually pretty thrilling. And all the D and D fans were going nuts because there was a bunch of other Easter eggs in that sequence that I don't get, but um, they did. And you know, the makers told you know they talked about on stage about how they are doing this with so it passes the hardcore D and D test um, while still entertaining a general audience. And I mean, from what I saw, they might pull it off because it it, it looked it looked good,
2: look entertaining at least. That's cool, That's man. Cool. And that's like yep. the first. Is it, everything you said is true about the timing of that panel because it's you know it, it's the first full day of the event, um, but it's also that's, that's the very first Hallage panel in three years, so that's a good one to start with. And of course, D and D is as big, the biggest now than it you know than it ever has been, and it's been you know people say Stranger Things brought back D and D, but nah man, that's just been coming back for ten years, and it helped tabletop gaming as brought back the, or, or launched the advent of all of these board game taverns and board game cafes and then D's at the front and center of that and now you got all the mainstreaming of things at critical role which has become an animated series and all this merch and so it's fu- it's good to see them investing in a big way and i say all that to say is not only did they have this big hall h panel but they had the big D tavern which you kind of alluded to as well which is one of the big notable a- activations they had um i know some of our people and our teams go previewed that the night before on wednesday um but their paramount was very like generous in bringing the talents around they did the full circuit man they, they came to all of our rooms they talked to you guys you know so so they are when you see that like they are very positive and happy to share which is a very very good sign for that film so maybe this is another big uh, Chris Pine Paramount franchise to go along dude, with his return like to Trek
1: franchise moves, man. He's doing that's good.
2: it I mean, he was an asshole, and he talked to us a long
1: time ago. But that, well, was, yeah, it's a different <laughs> story. But yes, this is true. <laughs> I mean, but it's what this podcast is. We're here to tell those stories. Like yes, yeah. yes. So um, I saw Chris Pine when he did his shitty little uh, Jack Ryan movie in New York, and this was at the time <laughs> that I uh, we had access to. You know, you know, we had worked. I was working. At Screen Man, which is a funny conversation we got to have at the end of this podcast, because there were some funny things about this in, in Comic-Con this year. But, um yeah, so we were at – we had opened, like, the doors, and, like, we used to go – I used to go to, like, you know, all these events in New York. I could go to Paramount and Sony and stuff, and so they had this thing for Jack Ryan Promotional, which was just basically, like, this cocktail hour with Chris Pine at Paramount Screening Room and before the movie, and – I don't know if it was just like an off day for Chris Pine or whatever it was. He didn't really want to do this event. Now that I know more about the industry, it was probably some shitty event he really didn't want to do, but he was just there. And it was just like, and it was all like blogger journalists, like getting to kind of have access to him. And so it was about Jack Ryan, but it just became questions about like a whole bunch of other stuff. So I did my due diligence as we always did. And I asked him about the flash, which was at the time something he was really, kind of being fan casted for. And man, I think him and Simon Pegg are up there for the two people who have given me the angriest interviews I've ever had in my life. Like, he was just so mad that I even like brought that up that like I was just like, and this Jack Ryan movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I
0: watched it and it was easy to say that afterwards. So yeah. there must've been something on the water, like in the water on those Star Trek movies. Cause yeah, Simon Pegg, we've talked about that on the previous podcast before. Simon Pegg, like you had your interaction with Simon Pegg. And then I had a negative interaction with Simon Pegg. So I don't know if those guys got on set during Star Trek or they got really burned during that into darkness press tour or something like that on, on press asking questions that were like outside of the scope of, you know, I don't know softball questions or something. But well, I'm sorry they didn't have PR yeah. training back then. That's how we yeah. a living. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. <clears throat> there was no person
2: saying you can't ask this, you can't ask that. I th- I think, I mean, Papine has a notoriety <laughs> with this kind of stuff. Even doing the Wonder Woman circuit, I remember him like blowing up on someone because they suggested that they asked him about what it's like to be like the the the, the, the male lead against the real lead as a female character, and finally one of the superhero films, and he was like. It, not to put words in his mouth, he was very defensive and taking it back like that, saying, no, no, I- I'm the lead. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, wait a second. This is Wonder Woman, <laughs> not the Steve Trevor yeah. story, right? Uh And yeah, but also, I- I'll never forget, I think it was for a film called The Finest Hours, which we may have done a set visit for as well. But him and, and his buddy and oftentimes working pal Ben Foster did an interview with a freelancer for us at the time. And I think that was the one that he was particularly – rude in and i interviewed two to us so so there's definitely history there but i think i'm hoping like you said making these franchise moves maybe trek coming back D starting i hope he's chilled out because uh man it's not not good yeah but
1: D was good so you know happy you day go. all yeah. right uh moving right along so i think the only other thing
0: from thursday i want to make uh it was a personal yeah, highlight you- for me Yeah, you wanted to you wanted to like this was a uh this was out of left field for Rob and I. So Um, I'm excited to hear your take on this. I think it's gonna be out of left field for a lot of people.
1: But I went to one of the other things I had to cover that day just because it was just one of those free floating things we had was um Mike Judge his panel about Beavis and Butthead (laughs) and all of that stuff. But um yeah, Beavis and ButtHead was hilarious. The reboot of Beavis and ButtHead is is fucking hilarious, and I'm excited for that one. I wasn't expecting it to be that funny, but we got to see like you know Beavis and ButtHead do those little kind of vignette episodes. Yeah, and basically they did this one where Beavis. And I'll highlight this one. Beavis got to discover got to talk with Fire. He meets Fire for the first time, like <laughs> the embodiment of Fire, and it's a dumpster fire. And it's this hilarious episode where Fire get like is trying like he's talking to Fire and he Fire keeps trying to get him to be his disciple and so beavis is like all excited for it but then fire starts doing shit to make him improve his life like fire will be like now go out and run a mile around your school track and beavis (laughs) goes out and runs and like he's like now clean up all the recycling in this alleyway and like has him like recycling and beavis Progressively starts being like, what the fuck am I, like, you know, what am I doing here? And then finally, like, fires like, read Call of the Wild and write a book report. And, <laughs> and Beavis is just like, because it's behind a fast food restaurant that they go to. And he goes and he's like, there's a fire out back and he just has the dumpster fire extinguish. And it's fucking hilarious because he doesn't want to do this book report. But in between, they still do those cuts where they where Beavis and Butthead are commentating, except now they do like social media stuff. And so yeah, like, they know, do a probably, TikTok yeah. video, and it is one of the funniest things. That does sound really funny. Insane. They do it in the TikTok video, and this one was a guy doing um, how to make your own prison tattoos. <laughs> And it's just hilarious because Mike Judge is just, he just said he used to record them as two separate things and had this whole process. Now he's just like, now I just go in and just start doing both voices and just jump back and forth and just say whatever I'm going to say. And it is hilarious. And he's such a funny guy because he's so, he's so like quiet and mild mannered when you see him. He sounds so proper, spoken, and all this stuff. And he just seems like the quiet, he seems like he'd be an accountant or some shit. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like this dude's like full of crazy voices and these crazy shows and stuff. But um, yeah, the second one was them climbing a roof to uh, drop a bowl off to shatter a crystal bowl, and they get stuck because they knock over the ladder and they get stuck up on the roof. <laughs> and so this hilarious shit starts happening where Beavis is trying, or ButtHead's trying to sacrifice Beavis's body to kind of get them down off the roof, and that <laughs> shit was equally hilarious and. I couldn't believe how well like Beavis and Butthead is coming back, but it is it is really well done. Like so, I'm yeah, really that, excited for that. Did
0: you watch the? I, I assumed you watched Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe.
1: Oh, do streaming you, on Paramount Plus. Of course, I regularly watch that content. You know, so I've only to see
0: myself sometimes. <clears throat> yeah, I haven't. Uh, I haven't watched it, but I kind of want to now. The, it excites me that they're what you're saying about how they're like watching TikTok videos and stuff. Because I was curious how they were going to sort of make that jump since music videos aren't, like, really a thing. I mean, they're still a thing, but they're not a thing in the way they were in the 90s when we were, like, full-on Beavis and Butthead mode. So I'm, uh, you know, with, like, TRL culture and stuff like that. I'm kind of here for this, actually, I think. Um, I used to love Beavis and Butthead, but I, I mean, as someone who, like, looks at TikTok videos, I can see the appeal of having those two characters comment and be horrified by like what they see on tiktok like that would be quite funny um
2: i can i can appreciate that is, is the uh whole archive of beavis and behind content on paramount plus it is right um
1: i'm not sure like i'd have to actually look that one up I've I, think, never... I think i think i saw somewhere because rights that... get real funny because like yeah. south park is real funny right like right. they have a deal for new south park specials and new seasons but every old season is still on HBO Max. So that's the same in yeah. Canada. Okay. Yeah. I think it was, I it think it real, is syndicated. I might be wrong, but I think it MTV was. networks is now under Paramount. So, uh, but I'm not sure like who produced it, who owns it, you know, TV. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure no, that it I'm is available on my phone. Hold up, hold up. I got it. Yeah. I'm I'm Accident, Paramount plus, which is right here, readily available. I'm pretty we sure available.
0: it's available, but they did make, they had to make changes to some of the music videos. They,
1: spur- they, they do what Paramount, Awesome like does, which is out, yeah. sporadic season seasonal releases. MTV, well, it's yeah. not Paramount. I think that's MTV actually, because MTV does that shit for like ridiculousness in Jersey Shore too. Um, yeah. So they have sporadic seasons right now. Available with season four, five, seven, eight, nine, 10, and eleven what? in the that's U.S. Weird. market.
0: Yes. They, it pro- it they must give it give have to do with it. The, yeah. Yeah. It must also have to do with some of the music that was used in those. I think that was like the main hurdle, at least uh, in some cases, too. That- it only
1: looks like they give you about a couple episodes yeah. per season. So not even full seasons.
0: Sure. So, yeah. It must
1: just. MTV real weird about this, but no, like season seven's full. So some of the later seasons are on here, but like, yeah. MTV is just hella weird about how they release, like... And they always have been about video-on-demand content.
0: Did you watch Beavis and Butthead as a kid, Rob? No, I I
2: completely missed it. Um, Yeah, you're
0: young. I mean, you're a bit younger than us. So I can see how that would be. Like, it it was very much like... I don't know of my like middle and high school time. I feel like, I feel like oh, it's very tethered to those. Oh times.
1: yeah. It was nineties kids. Like we loved that shit. And when dude and Butthead to America came out, that was like a huge. Oh thing. yeah. It was great. And one of the still one of the funniest theatrical experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, um, was great. all right, but we're sitting stuck. We're getting bogged down. That was just Thursday.
2: Okay, Friday uh, yeah. kicks off with Lord of the Rings for Amazon. Um, Ooh, can, I, I, uh, can I
1: make a confession? I'm going to yeah. mute right
2: now because I haven't even looked at anything from this. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, so it, it's it's a tough one to talk about because they showed – I can give you like a recap of what they kind of showed, but I was not in the panel. We had our, our some of our crew there, but um, it was a it was a big panel in terms of length. Like we actually thought, because it's 90 minutes long, I asked them beforehand, I'm like, are you guys going to premiere like – the the first episode maybe like as a big surprise but no they just wanted a big bloated and bloated not in a bad way i mean like a sizable panel they had they're trying to set a record with like a for largest cast on stage for like a tv Ye- show yeah
1: yo bro yeah we can say bloated because okay. behind <laughs> the scenes do you understand what happened when they brought those people up to to our floor of the hilton with all those rooms
2: Oh, we, we didn't even we, we did it, we, we canceled it. We, we did alliance instead, because we, we can't support <laughs> even half that once. so uh.
1: no, I mean, it wasn't even about that. They took over the like they brought so many people that each had entourages, publicists, PR people, like everything. They filled OK, so you know, they filled the uh, sapphire level, which is the fifth floor of the Hilton, which is where a lot of the press rooms are. They filled the entire lobby and made all the rest of us like be prisoners in our rooms because I was up there for that. I was in <laughs> oh the my middle of interviews myself, and they all flooded the floor. And then all these like crazy publicists came over and were like, Everybody has to shut the fuck up up here. We were all like, Bro, these are like our paid rooms. And like, <laughs> we got talent coming through too. Like, we had Bruce Campbell coming through, right? right and so like we were like look dude we're gonna close these doors but when we have like bruce campbell on the way up like
2: so popping open these doors and fuck you like, <laughs> they're all there. up there because that's where they host their press room right in the press line, yeah and it little? was insane
1: yeah. and they were out of control man they were just a bunch of kids like and like they were all like real crazy about moving them and i was like, bro and we were all had this conversation internally we we're like w- why are you trying to sneak these people out the back does anybody really know who half of these people are oh, like i'm not funny. trying to like I'm not trying to like crap on the actors and the talent but like if you take off the Elfiers, we probably aren't going to recognize half of you. Yeah, yeah I mean that's yeah, the yeah, Game of Thrones
0: cast like I mean how you know like preseason yeah, one, season yeah. 1, right? Like it's yeah, like yeah. who,
1: yeah. So Man. I don't know, but the, it, they definitely
2: did the thing with the bringing everybody. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the showrunners a 21 cast members for oh and this is is 21 cast members for a show where, like no one a, no one's seen it yet, right? So it's, it's we get it's Thor of the Rings, but also their first trailer was infamously you know, not impressive. Yeah, the right. new trailer, much better for sure. Yeah, they they got better. the message much better. So there's genu- genuine and, and, and rightful excitement now. You can tell they're investing in every possible way. So I think Amazon's trying to make a point, right? Blow up everything, get everyone there. Them, make them stars before they're stars um but they also brought out a bear McGreary, composer bear mcgrary hosted they did like a live orchestra as well during the panel playing like the theme of the show and then they debuted five clips in the show like five different scenes uh you know exclusive content for the fans so they did a big panel but um so we can't see, talk about the footage because we weren't in, in there but uh i mean as in the three of us weren't in there but I will say this, someone I think I guess there was a QA portion. Someone asked Matt Smith, or maybe <laughs> maybe oh, the God. quote it says, yo, it's morbid time. And Matt Smith was like so confused by that.
0: So Dude, Matt Smith Matt Smith is in the Game of Thrones panel though. Right? Uh, yeah, that was oh, I'm sorry. I'm throwing yeah, no, no. I'm, just, I'm totally no, throwing that. There. Let's just jump That's fucking because I
1: was sitting right next to that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was sitting there typing and I was by the Q&A line. And yeah, that guy got up and he was like a professional, I
0: think, trickster because he did oh. this for several panels. And is that the dude? That is that, yeah. There's that one dude that like always used to be like a professional trickster. They would get. Yeah. There's a
2: couple of guys that would try to get up every single time and ask a dumb question. Whoa. But Uh, No, no, because he came back in Star Trek. Um, I'm pretty
0: sure he
1: was because he came back in Star Trek, too. And so, like, yeah, there was – yeah, I think he was a professional because he did. And I got up and I just said – he said, hey, Matt. He's like, I don't have a question so much as a statement. He was like, hey, Matt Smith, it's Morbin time. And the whole place, like, (laughs) erupted. And I was like, like, holy shit, first question. (laughs) And I was sitting next to the age – like, I think some publicist involved with House of the Dragon – And they were cringe most. That panel, in general, was pretty awkward. Really? Like, oh, yeah. It was just awkward. I mean, I moderated a panel. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. But the moderator of that panel was like a Game of Thrones famous podcaster. And you could tell he had just prepared, so over-prepared that he was trying to stick to the script. But, like, you can't stick to the script all the time when you're moderating. You have to be able to, like, move with the panel and the crowd and all that. And, like, yeah, he just kept asking awkward questions that the cast were looking at. him like, bro, what are you doing to me right now? Like, please stop. Um, And they had some, thank God, like, Patty Constantin is, like, in that show. And he is wild as fuck. So he was just saying wild, crazy crap uh, to save most of this panel. But, like, yeah, that Morbid Time thing was just it was just a cherry on the top of awkwardness because Matt Smith had no idea what that was. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Oh, and you have to understand Matt Smith's like a gentleman class act, especially with fans. So like he, like one girl came up and she was like, hi, Matt Smith. And he was like, hello. And then she was just (laughs) like, ah, and like, you know, he's just like really good at that. So, (laughs) you <laughs> like trying to be so sweet, Matt Smith. He was like, I'm sorry, I have no idea what that is. He's like, You were in this movie, Morbius, and uh, it's a movie that I love, and it has spawned like a whole bunch of memes and stuff. And one of the most famous ones is, It's Morbin Time. And he was like all over enthusiastic about it. And Matt Smith, without a beat, just looks back at him and he goes, Well, I am so happy you have enjoyed a different movie than the one I believe I was in.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow well said i was
1: just like wow and the whole crowd like yeah that was that was a good comic con moment right there the moment in time i was like man we his first question just first question off the bat right out the gate just q a whenever amazing. they see the q a and if you ever been recording a live panel at comic con right when you're recording and you have to type in those two words in that section q a you're like oh shit here we go yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: never That's a good word
2: it's I yeah. feel like, first of all, what a fucking red flag when you see that at a panel. Usually that happens because they have a plant to ask some question for a setup, right? Like the yeah. infamous Green Lantern ring speech bullshit. Like 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 that's why they do that, but why would you ever subject a random fan to or like the panel to, to a random fan with their long-winded questions? It just doesn't it and never half works of them are out questions. Half of them are just fans like
1: hyperventilating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody, but, um, okay, let's go back in time. So, uh, well, we don't have to, I mean, Lord of the Rings it's here. Watch yeah. the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. It's a better
0: think, trailer. And, yeah. I agree. I think, I think I would say I would, I mean, that's the one thing I would add here is like the trailer does look a lot better. We talked a couple of weeks ago, I think about the first trailer and you know, whether these shows are going to be able to differentiate themselves at all. And I don't know. I still don't know if this is going to be overkill from sort of the fantasy book adaptation genre, but I, I think it's I gonna be like good. To, yeah.
1: But I think it's gonna be good in the way that we have to like get into it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I think it's one of those things like we could just be like, Oh my god, Lord of the Rings Like, I mean they're gonna Tolkienites are always gonna be like that, but like for myself, I'm like, okay, I know it's Lord of the Rings and I know I like Lord of the Rings, but I'm going to have to see if I like this. Right. Like yeah. I mean, either. Yeah. But it can be like one of those things that's going to be really absorbing. And like,
2: once you get into it, you're like, Oh shit. Like, I think so too. This uh, my world. I, I do. One thing that's kind of neat. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not neat that this, it's all just corporate half a billion dollar investments here and there, but it's neat that they are so confident in, in their investment that they already kind of confirmed, like that we have a five-year plan so we can plan out five years of story properly. So that, that, place to what you're saying where i hope like okay we can't take our time with this you know the whole season's yeah, gonna that, make sense i mean
1: you know our old pal anthony would be so happy that you know everybody's finally getting on that british model <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we well, like, series figured out already yeah that's, that's it one story <laughs> i'm getting out but uh yeah so that's lord of the rings uh what do you want to do next um anybody we- still care about walking dead at all <laughs>
2: No, I guess Andrew Lincoln came back on stage and, and his oh, return was confirmed. So that that's the big fucking thing. I came like and read us together again sort of thing on on oh. panel. So that was – We were Walking so Dead built fans.
0: on Walking Dead for so long and now it's just such trash that I can't even – I just like – yeah, I don't – Like even the idea of Andrew Lincoln coming back just is sort of almost like There's sad nothing. to me because it's sort of like
1: – That franchise, I'm sorry.
0: it's Does anybody still likes
1: it, you know, enjoy. But that franchise is done to me.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I clocked out at Walking Dead season seven or eight, whatever. And I think Tale, the, what's the first spin off? Is it Tales from the Walking Dead or Fear of yeah, Fear the Walking Dead? The. Fear of the um, Walking Dead, yeah. I watched the first season of that and clocked out, and they're like seven seasons deep, and there's crossovers and such, and there's another. There's the. That world- show got
1: arguably better than the main series at certain I points, was told that. but it was, but it kept like, it was such an ebb and flow to it. Yeah. Like, it, sometimes it was super good. Season three was super good. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Then season four got weak as shit again, and then like season five was good. Oh, and so you lasted season, hella yeah. longer than most. Oh yeah, you know? I lasted up until the last season. Like I was just like I can't. Yeah. Uh, did you watch what was the other one called World Beyond? No, no. And I never saw that one. I and saw I saw half the pilot, and I was like, yeah, I'm out. Okay. I guess and Tales I like, is the new one. That, yeah, Tales is the anthology episode they're doing. What American Horror Stories is doing is they're going. I see. And I
2: and I'm gonna watch that because I think that could actually be good. Like, and uh, when Lincoln left, like they kind of had this thing where they teased like multiple, a trilogy of films that would also play in theaters, and nothing ever came of that, I guess. But that's where Andrew Lincoln was going to come back, I guess. So I, I have no idea. I cannot keep track of it. Yeah, that. now we're down to TV movies, and that's dwindling fast too.
1: Well, Even Carol dropped out of the Carol-Daryl thing, so it was just Daryl. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. shame.
2: It's because of, you know, it, just logistics, right, where they're shooting in her family, but that, yeah. that ruins the whole plan. But. but
1: it's also, like, yeah, I mean, that's what Hollywood answer is. She's probably, like, been like, I've been doing this shit for fucking, like,
2: over yeah. ten years, yeah, like, I
1: don't want to do this anymore. Please, I just want yeah. to watch my kids grow. I don't <laughs> to be Carol anymore? I've killed everybody.
0: Respect. Yeah, I mean, well, it's fine too when you're part of an ensemble, but when it's like you're going to be one, the two of the stars of the show, it's like the, her shooting schedule would have increased significantly. Uh, I just the Andrew Lincoln thing is just, you know, obviously I liked him on the show, and you know, it's exciting to see him with Michonne. That's always fun, but you know, it it did feel like a movie starring him was the way to kind of cap off his, his story. If you were going to do that, but not just bring him back for another show, you know, with this character that you already saw the two of them together for like four or five seasons. Like it just feels, it almost feels like Andrew Lincoln went out in the world, didn't get better roles and then decided he'd come back. And, you know, they pulled a dump truck full of money there because they need, they need him to kind of reinvigorate the franchise. But it's I don't like, know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Yeah, Walking Dead's hilarious, man. I
1: remember the last time I did an interview with for them was season five, and it was for SR. And you know who doesn't want to be involved with that shit anymore? Deny. Yeah.
2: Oh. Yeah. yeah, she, she out. that shit. Yeah, she's, she's out of An award-winning playwright. Wakanda. And a movie star. Yeah, who needs that? <laughs> um, yeah,
1: yeah, so. Yeah, so Walking Dead now. But Marvel Animation, let's take it away.
2: Oh, yeah. One of the big things, obviously, is uh, a couple things. Charlie Cox voicing Daredevil and Spider-Man the freshman year, which sounds like it's going to be his mentor in the show is like, is it Doc Ock or something? It's not Iron Man. It's like it's like like an alternate universe sort of thing. Right. Like, do you do the details on that? Um, no, I didn't really pay attention to. Well, I guess the other big one you probably saw online at least is the the, the first look at the X Men 97 kind of character designs. And and like Magneto was the leader at the OG roster's back. They showed like other characters too, like Forge and Cable and Bishop. And even Morph was there. Morph, infamously, who was part of the first episode team and died. Uh, And then I guess, who knows? Morph.
1: Bringing him back.
2: (laughs) That's right. Classic Wolverine sadness. Um, yeah, I forget what what else was there. They Was that we got I Am Groot too? Was that part of the anime? We got season 2?
1: Yeah, I Am Groot was there. We got season 2 of uh
2: X-Men 97's already hooked yep, up. Affirmed. So yeah. uh yeah. I Am Groot is five shorts. That's all coming out at once soon uh in August I think and then um screeners are out now for that and then uh there's another animated thing too. Oh, you talked to zombies, right? Um Oh yeah. Zombies are coming. It's not for a while, though. I want to say it's like twenty twenty four. It's coming. Out. Zombie's gonna be like mature rating or something. That's it. The very first T V MA rating for a yeah. Marvel production on Disney plus, which is speaks, it bodes well for like something like Daredevil, we will talk about later coming to Disney plus. Uh, you know, because now that they have adult content and Netflix adult content and R rated movies, they just dropped Deadpool one and two and and Logan on Disney plus in America as well. So, so they're 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 pushing up the uh, expanding the audience. I would say. Disney so getting
1: close there. to that you want a disney plus and chill moment
0: Ooh. Oh, <laughs> hey girl first yeah. <laughs> first marvel and marvel chill. sex scene inbound yeah when um you wish upon-
1: anyway um yeah there's some other stuff going on uh we got some uh marvel zombies characters and villains we got yeah we got a uh, we got Shang Chi, Kate Bishop, Yelena Belova, Red Guardian Death Dealer, and Kamala Khan will be in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be the first T V MA Disney Plus show.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's
1: cool. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. We got some character designs for it, for what this kind of like alt universe ragtag adventure team will be
2: all about. Yeah, so. I think they had an update on what if season two as well yeah. or something like that. But yeah. uh, it, I will say this, it was very smart for them to pull out the animation stuff and expand that. We know of the OG, like Marvel Studios head crew, like Victoria Alonso is like kind of taking over this, this division. And, and it's, it's smart because later on when we, when we talk about Marvel live action, it's good to get uh, get like, I'm crew what if off that main schedule and on its own thing? Cause it doesn't, it is a very different thing. They shouldn't be overlapping. So uh, yeah, good call on their part, especially with the X-Men stuff. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, moving on. I know we're not going to delve deep into this, but like the Berserker stuff. They this is the Keanu Reeves comic. It's getting adapted to Netflix. They had some announcements for that, so it is going to be a live action film. Yeah, I was in the room for that. Oh, you were uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got us cover that.
1: Um, yeah, so it was just basically the Keanu show, but Boom Studios Berserker is coming to an end. The first, at least the first volume. But uh, this was basically the sales pitch panel for like how this is going to be a multimedia franchise. Um, they are going to have a live action film, which is being kind of written by screenwriter. I forget his name right now. Guy who looks like he could be an actor. Um, but they're also doing an anime at Netflix, which already has two seasons. And so they're also announced that there will be a berserker novel. And so with a famous novelist, that was like one of Keanu Reeves' favorite novelists that he didn't think they would ever get, but they got. So we don't know who that is yet. They won't announce it, but uh, it's in the works. So this is coming out. Berserker is going to be on comic book pages, anime, movies, um, and in you know, written word. And so what makes this kind of worthy? is this character is an immortal who's half god and whose life is just kind of a cycle of just killing and violence and war you know all this stuff but th- he's been alive for eighty thousand years right and so the panel was just kind of highlighting the different creative people involved from the comic creators and the boom editors to the movie writer to the anime producer and just talking about like why they think they can make this a whole multi franchise and they had a good point which is in a with a character who's been alive 80,000 years, like there's any number of stories you can tell from that lifetime, right? That still yeah. would fit the kind of central theme of trying to settle down or trying to live like this life. Oh shit, violence again, like and shit goes bloody again, and like fuck, and, like I'm still left here after it all, like yeah. so. I mean, that's what we love about Wolverine. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like the Wolverine thing mixed with some like that West witch hunter shit from Vin Diesel tried out, but, um, it's an interesting thing. And like, yeah, uh, I, I was kind of weirdly came away like most excited to read a berserker novel because it's the one that'll kind of take you inside the character's head and, and perspective and be able to kind of really play around with that. And I was like, that is kind of interesting to be like, uh, you know, eighty thousand years of this guy, and you know, in the comic series finds him, there is all
0: of this backstory all out there. So,
1: you know, might be him, might be awesome, and Keanu might be on top of something right there.
0: Yeah, should I, you know, comic book kofi here? Should I be reading Berserker? I haven't jumped in yet.
2: I I,
1: okay. I was unclear like where this was in production because so much shit's been happening during the pandemic. I couldn't tell where half this stuff was so i didn't know the first volume was gonna was ending i think i'm gonna wait for it to end get the trade and jump in that way
2: yeah Um, i think it's it's very
1: record selling i mean it's been a i mean it's been a game changer for boom and whether that's just because keanu's involved or not like
0: i mean first issue sales broke records like it's it's a hot comic yeah Uh, that's awesome on it so like i i've been thinking about picking it up but there's some history there
2: First of all, it's a slow releasing comic. I think they have don't even have cover art for episode like issue nine yet. So you know, it'll be an easy. They read. revealed uh, issue nine, ten, and eleven covers during the panel. There you go. But not Shit. the final issue. Oh, okay, uh, that's thirteen. I forget which one it is. Well, to take it back, in, t- in terms like the success of it, it was a massive success, and there was like you know some high brown from the industry because like you know it was very clearly launched with the idea from day one. Like, this is a multimedia franchise here's the comic, here's the star who's helping create it and co-write it. Keanu, he's going to start a movie. You know what I mean? And, and you know, for better or worse, it, it, you know, it, it did a great thing for comics because it was huge for boom. And look, they have a berserker comic in hall H. You know what I mean? Before the, before a movie. So yeah. it's, it's huge for the industry and it sold like hundreds of thousands of issues for boom. And, and, and Marvel DC can't even compete with those numbers. So, you know, the worst situation is that every new comic launch is tied to a star and a preconceived plan to adapt to movies which is that's hollywood but um whatever you get good comic stories out of it and now books and tv and stuff and it's, it's excellent it's 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 smart on their part but uh yeah yeah i think the guy you're talking about is matson T- tomlin right the writer yeah oh, matson tomlin yeah so they were doing press as well and so was the artist ron garney and i think uh, his, his co-writer is kent or matt Kint is his name so all four of them were, were going around doing the rounds so we got to interview them which is cool but Kano is of course the character is based on him but he's playing the, li- the lead in the live action film and he's also voicing the character in the anime so uh as, as part of the multimedia push but it, it's you know netflix is kind of it's neat that they're pushing the anime spinoffs and a lot of their properties um this includes things like The Witcher and Cyberpunk. We, we talked about Pacific Rim in one of these earlier episodes of Podcast X. So Netflix is making a good name for themselves, getting into their uh, anime and anime adaptations of, of major video game properties. I think they're doing oh, a yeah. Assassin's Creed they're one, too. So, uh, they're huge. It's good stuff.
1: To, yeah, they're the streamer who's, who got it first. I remember when they started this back in like 2018, 2019. Um, yeah, they've been at it, building a that uh, hole, making themselves the anime block outside of you know, funimation and stuff. So yeah. good on them to get that berserker thing rolling. And yes, that witcher right. anime looks dope too.
2: So I'm in for that. Yeah. Uh, um,
1: well, you know, here, I'll say this anime.
2: one thing before we move on to uh, Kofi, you can talk dragon ball. I, I just want to say like for all mankind, we don't have to say anything about the panel, but they didn't confirm another season is on the way uh, for Apple TV plus, which I'm excited about. Cause I really enjoyed that show. And then yeah, the current season has show. them in the nineties on Mars. So I'm very curious to see where they go in the next decade beyond that. But yeah. Um, how did how did the Dragon Ball thing go in Hall H, Kofi? That was dope. Was it huge? I mean, it's
1: pretty big for an anime panel, yeah, for sure. Um, shout out to our, our old buddy Tyler, Tyler Sredo. Oh hell's yeah! Oh, Mr. yeah. Crunchyroll. <laughs> yeah, he's at Crunchyroll now. Um, and uh, I walked up to him to uh, get the pass. Yeah. Uh, and uh he was just classic tyler just was standing outside the hard rock cafe just chomping <laughs> down on some like food sting that he was enjoying <laughs> and i
2: was like bro it's like we never left i was like oh my god this is um yeah, uh, yeah. we should say tyler was uh going back a decade man which just literally a fan of screamer in the, in the old school podcast and he was such a charming nice dude uh we met him at our old screamer meetups at like yeah, the, the Ramada and whatever it was, like across from the, the other side of the convention center, and he uh, yeah. eventually did some work for us for a while, and got into PR, and now he's do, uh, doing big anime things for Crunchyroll, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, he's so.
1: like, yeah, he's a big, he's doing big things for Crunchyroll, and he shouted uh he actually shouted us out. He's like one of the things that has helped him in his job was working and seeing the whole screen rant structure of things and the way we kind of did things and kind of just taking <laughs> that and being like, yeah, let's do it this way. And I uh, was like, man, that's awesome. Good for him, so, man. Yeah. yeah Tyler, man. Like, uh, yeah, he, he was, a uh, he's a good contact and we work in, you know, we do comic book anime has been at it since 2017, 2018, really getting after it. And, uh, yeah, our anime kind of queen and head of our department, Megan works closely with country Roll in, uh, yeah, so everybody knows everybody over there, and uh, yeah, good people over there at Crunchyroll. Um, but uh, Dragon Ball looks dope. Uh, if you're an anime head, I know you've you've probably already seen all the leaks from Japan and all that stuff that's out there <laughs> about the movie. But uh, the English dub is is good. Um, the voice cast really really did their thing, and they showed us the first twenty minutes of the movie in addition to the new trailer, which is also available online. Uh, and it was an interesting first 20 minutes. Uh, first of all, the aesthetic of this thing is unlike anything you've ever seen for Dragon Ball. The mix of animation and CGI is done pretty smartly and, and looks really cinematic. I, I see why they did it. Uh, this one is very much, there's a lot of kind of almost like Adam West, Batman flares throwing this one to kind of spoof or sat- or satirize the kind of superhero genre. Uh, Cause as uh, the sequence, the first 20 minutes was all set up mostly. It's about the history of the Red Ribbon Army and Dr. Jiro and Cell and and now where the Red Ribbon Army is and how that sets up this new story. But there was one battle sequence we got to see, uh, Piccolo versus one of the new Android Gamma one. And when you see the battle sequences, you realize like, OK, this is why they chose this animation style and all that stuff, and it looks pretty spectacular and new for Dragon Ball. So Dragon Ball Super Superhero is coming to English, or, uh, US theaters in August, and uh, if you're an anime fan, I suggest you go check that out because it looked pretty dope.
0: Awesome. You wanted to speak on John Wick 4 really quick, Rob, before we yeah, move on. Yeah, uh,
2: I headlined with that, but yeah, so so our man Steve Weintraub at Collider has been working behind the scenes for months trying to put together his own panel for Hall H, and, and they were very cool to work with and they approved it which was amazing and then the theme uh of it is like directors on directing and so uh we had a bunch of names to start with and we landed on tim miller andrew stanton and chad staleski tim miller of course uh, everyone knows him from blur studio and deadpool but he also did like the latest terminator and on stage he talked about that and how it was <laughs> he admitted to being wrong about that and how it misfired and it gives him like pretty good insights into what happened with that franchise and what it could have been, which is, uh, you can look it up online. A lot of people covered that. Uh, but, but for you, John Carter fans out there, um, Andrew Stanton kind of revealed the titles. Uh, one of them, I think we already knew about, but uh, of what the John Carter sequels would have been. So the second one was going to be called, uh, gods of Mars. The third one was going to be called warlord of Mars. And, and for the, those lucky enough to be in, in there in hall H, they, he showed exclusive concept art, which I've never been seen before of each. And he gave a complete breakdown of the plots of each film. So, um, for, for all uh,
1: you two John Carter fans out there, yeah, if do, uh,
2: I, if you know, for what it's worth, I did want to see a sequel to that, even though at the time it was such a mediocre, over budgeted film. But where it ended, I was like, man, I kind of want to see what happens next. But you know, it was not to be poor Andrew Stanton. But, um, if you do want to know that at least the plots, the art is not available anywhere right now, but uh, you can read the full plots on, on Collider about that, like the detailed descriptions. Um, but the big thing. Was Chad Selesky, who's the uh, co creator and director of all the John Wick films. Um, And of course, we talked a lot about that. And then uh, during the panel, and there's like an (laughs) off the record story, and I'll I'll tell you guys in the future one day or when I'm allowed to. But uh, it's very disorganized during Comic Con, and we weren't sure the timing was going to work out. But Steve uh, had a fan question from uh, a Jay Utah. If you, if you get the reference and then the timing worked out. And Canada Reeves, he was able to make a surprise appearance on panel. Uh, thank you, Lionsgate for hooking that up. Um, Cause he, of course he was there for berserker the same day we talked about, and he came on stage and didn't even have a chair. So he's poor guys on his knees beside our guests. And um, we were able to debut the very first teaser trailer for John Wick 4. And for everyone in attendance, we had the, uh, an exclusive comic con John Wick 4 poster. So the trailer they did release online uh, the day after, so you can check it out there. But um it was super awesome to get Canada out there along with those guys, and and a big thanks to Chad for all making making that happen uh, with Lionsgate. But so we turned our little like director's chat into like a bunch of reveals, and actually a bit of a Lionsgate panel, which was awesome because they didn't have a plans otherwise outside of of course Clerks Three. Uh, Kevin Smith and the family are always a big presence at Comic Con, and and Lionsgate was really pushing that. But we kind of made a surprise secondary push with John Wick to kind of start their marketing campaign. So uh, check out the John McFour Four trailer online; it's awesome. I'll leave Until, it there. Um, <laughs> nice flex. <laughs> it was Rob's humble flex. Hells yeah. yeah, baby. It's all Steve, man. It's all Steve. Steve, Steve. Steve put in the work, man. We want to make we want to make that a thing. You know, directors on directing is uh
1: um,
0: easy. easy. Cool. We're,
2: good. We're getting at cross purposes at this point. <laughs> yeah. Too, <laughs> hey, it's,
0: it's too many streams crossing here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, Saturday, the big day. So we already talked briefly about uh about the Matt Smith moment in the House of the Dragon. Game of Thrones panel, but what did you guys think of the new footage from that? And was there anything else that you want to, you know, you want to comment on there? It's kind of like
1: Lord of Rings. I mean, I'm interested because of the franchise name, but I'm going to have to like really jump into this and really like get hooked by the actual mechanics of the
2: show. Yeah. Um, I'm of two minds, I guess. I remember when Game of Thrones was first coming out, like, I remember being a big deal. This is like before shit really got crazy online and even in our worlds, like online back then. But like I kind of got into it cause my brother was a huge fan of like the, at the time with the first four or five books were out. Right. So, and he had told me about it and I kind of didn't even, I don't think I watched the premiere of the day of, I kind of caught into it a couple episodes in. Uh, so I kind of like that this feels like, you know, it does feel like game of Thrones and that's the same as you Kofi. That is the hook for me. Um, it also feels like a clean slate to me because it's not like directly attached, unlike the Jon Snow off they announced or teased, right? So if yeah. it were that, I think I'd be less interested. But because it's a whole new, whole new show, just set with the same Westeros backdrop in a different time setting, uh, I'm kind of you know I'm 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 more excited because of that. But it's also like you know I got to wait and see. Same with Lord of the Rings, you know? Like, the the brand name is not enough for me these days, so... um, Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I feel like it's
0: in... This one feels like it's really in jeopardy, potentially, in comparison to Rings of Power. Because if Rings of Power is, like, the thing that people are talking about for fantasy this fall... Sorry, guys. um, Then it's gonna be... It's... I don't know. It feels like this show gets buried, especially with all the negative sentiment towards, you know, Game of Thrones... Towards the end, um, but I don't know. I mean, the show looks the show looks fine. Like it cast looks great, visuals look great. I'm sure there's going to be some like epic storytelling, but I don't know. I don't know how you kind of Game of Thrones feels a bit like you sort of capture lightning in a bottle the first time because it surprised people with how it unfolded into this big magical crazy thing from what was originally this sort of st- what some people perceive to be sort of a stuffy medieval tale or something. Um, like I, I don't know if you can kind of pull that trick a second time by just doing a prequel, um, but it's, we'll it's true.
2: I, you know, going the obvious thing is it's an HBO Max show, so you know it's gonna be like mega premium, right? Um, yeah. So that, and it does fill a gap because Westworld is on its way out sort of um, yeah. or ending its run sort of. And then you know, it's been a while. There's been a big void left by Game of Thrones ending for them. And and, and I think the audiences as well. So despite there being 37,000 dragon themed projects at comic-con this year, uh, I do think this being on uh, HBO max and when it comes out, the timing of it, of course it's against Lord of the Rings, but this is the more adult series version. I still think that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see ratings wise. It could be the best thing, you know? So who knows? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll see for sure. Yeah. Um, all
2: right, well, let's move on because we we still got a
0: few other things to talk about before we get to Marvel. Okay. <clears throat> so WB,
1: uh, yeah, Black Adam's movie—it's still happening. That's about all DC has for
2: a universe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, fuck. Oh yeah, but also ZOA Energy Drink partnerships, which is also owned by <laughs> The Rock. <laughs> uh, what a weird year for WV, I like how the rock just kind of took it over and he's like, I'm going to use my production company and my energy drink and it's all going to be me. It's my, and this other yeah. for movie it's here that I'm producing that too. It's also mine, <laughs> but we can't speak to the future of DC because there is no planned future right now. Um, very strange outing. I think on their part, especially yeah. coming in the wake of the epic, you know, Warner Brothers discovery merger. I thought this is where you can put your footprint down and at least set something up, but no, I guess they're still working that out.
0: Yeah, I was, like, I was claiming credit for the idea that Henry Cavill was going to show up and re-announce, like, that he was coming, that he was coming back.
2: And then that didn't happen. Uh you know how I feel about certain trade outlets, but let's just say Deadline said that uh, they heard the buzz that Cavill was going to show up and talk to the future Superman. And then when we confirmed during that, we're like, wait a second, Cavill's in the UK filming right now. We just checked. So I I guess virtually he can show up? And they were wrong. And then we'll get to it later. But they were also wrong when they said Marvel Studios wouldn't have announcements this year. So uh, you know who to read, guys out there. Yeah, Um, that was
0: pretty pretty rough, (laughs) because I was... I was like, oh man, we were just talking about this on podcast X. Wouldn't it be really cool if like he does show up and then like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, and then you know, and then the trades are like backing that up. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be amazing. And then yeah, I'm just watching Twitter meltdown. Like he's not there. Everybody was then joking like, well, maybe he's backstage at the Marvel panel. Yeah, like it was (laughs) uh, pretty pretty funny. The uh, I would say the bigger thing out of the two WB things is the Shazam trailer. Like, what did you guys think of that trailer?
1: It's a movie. It's going to have people in it. Their yeah. effects budget got doubled appropriately. Yeah. A lot of cool Marvel family shots and that. And so, yeah, I mean, they'll have a bigger budget. But it's just, I mean, I mean, the Shazam! first looks cool. I mean, both movies look cool. Like, there's nothing wrong. Black Adam looked dope. A lot of yep. the footage and all that stuff looks awesome. But, I mean, as a yeah. universe franchise, like, I mean... One day when all legalities and all the under wonderful stuff is out of the way I will be able to explain how much DC fucked me this year. But yeah, it is just <laughs> as a universe. Like it's, yeah, they just it, there's It would be it's cool I mean, I mean, if there was some suggestion if there're even hints between the two of them, between these two trailers about the connectivity between the characters, but you don't even feel
0: that. Yeah, when it's it's very difficult to see how these two are going to like
2: sync up eventually either they didn't um, do anything on stage with it with like zach and between just being there together either right they could have had a, a moment <laughs> or like, a i mean if i was running dcpr right now like yeah i would have taken the
1: lemon i would have made lemonade out of the fact that we lost flash and aquaman this year my flash is a possible you know a lot of what i fill in the adjective you want right there yeah like and you know, really, I can only rely on Jason Momoa right now <laughs> to be like, you know, hey, guys, Shazam verse. Like, hey, let's play in the Shazam verse. I'd have had you know, Jaimon Hansu come out as the wizard and bring everybody out on stage. Like I'd have done the whole lightning effects and everything. Be like, oh yeah. Word.
2: We can talk about that. Dwayne Johnson did make an appearance in costume with, on a floating stand with light lightning in the background. That was with kind a of, belt across his with lap. a very large rope. <laughs> yeah, rope. <laughs> Which <laughs> looked a little weird, but you know, yeah. you gotta keep him safe. Um, I had to do a double
1: take at that. I was like, wait, what's that hanging?
2: And I was like, Oh, it's just a rope. An actual <laughs>
1: rope. Never uh, he's mind. a billion dollar man, you gotta be safe. Um, um, yeah. Um, but yeah. So I mean, it was underwhelming. WB even when they don't even have stuff, usually they have, like, a great presentation with all the yeah. screens yeah. in the hall and stuff. Right? Like, this was really underwhelming this year. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I mean, it didn't even make that big of a buzz. Like, I didn't even hear about it on Saturday morning. Well. I had to go back, like, Sunday night and be like, oh, I should probably watch. I saw a Shazam trailer. It, but, um, like, that was, that was weirdly
2: bigger. I didn't even see The Rock or anything until, like, late at night. <laughs> Yeah, it, it got washed real quick from like what seemed like more standard announcements after the fact. But I mean, here's the thing: they had no surprises, and like the trailers were immediately online and watchable, and there was no surprises there. It was just like on the Black Adam. You can tell they're iterating on the designs. Like, I feel like Hawkman's costume has changed four times during these reshoots, but um, but it's looking better each time. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said, Shazam. The trailer was kind of the first big. You know, I mean, are they doing DC fandom again this year? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't announced anything yet, yet, so.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Nope. That would require them having some kind of plan that they want to, like, actually unveil, though, right? Yeah, and their Joe mm-hmm. Max
2: slate is really up in the air right now, and then the movies, of yeah. course, are a huge question yeah. mark. I can't believe this keeps happening. <laughs> like, uh, think green lantern Corps is ever going to happen as a movie or tv you, show like, I, don't, I
1: have no idea i have no idea who's involved with any of this How shit How bad they are screwing
0: me this right is now. yeah this is we one of these things where screwing it's screwing me really hard right now we used to say like we used to say <laughs> this right no it's no like idea. like they just, oh my god someone yeah, just no needs no to call idea. us like wb just call us fly us out to la put us up for like a month we'll help you straighten this out yeah, because this I is I not this complicated all out yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Like this is really not this complicated. You have no idea how bad they
1: are. Really, how bad they have just like f me on this. Like I can't believe, and on the timing too. Like it's just it's nuts. Like, <laughs> I need something to talk about, to write about, to do besides Marvel. Like I, I need some other major franchise. All right. Yeah. Well, moving on. Let's talk about the one I do have, Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Star Trek is back. Um, I got to host a pre-panel for Star Trek, which was across the universe. In your screen, Star Trek uh, was basically kind of a discussion of the Star Trek multimedia universe and gaming and gaming connections. But I got to do it with Hanson Mount, who's awesome. And yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was plenty fun. So if uh, anybody digs that up, I don't like watching myself, so I haven't dug it up yet, but if anybody digs it up, that was, that was a cool honor to get to host something at San Diego comic-con. Uh, so dope. Um, but then the big full panel I was attending as well. And man, that was like fucking four panels in one, but we got through it. Uh, it was star Trek, uh, Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks and of course the the new kid on the block Star Trek Strange New Worlds and um, <laughs> we actually saw I almost made the cast of Lower Decks shit themselves I'm sorry guys they're such a nice group because they were up in our interview room before that and you know we're all Team Paramount go Team Paramount and so uh, we of course knew about the biggest kind of headline that came out of this panel early on which was that <laughs> Uh, star trek strange in star trek lower decks characters will be crossing over into star trek strange new worlds in season two um and so like i they came in the interview they sat down and i started talking to them and um they were all like oh my god what and they were like how do you know this now they were like oh god oh god oh god and i was like bro we're all team paramount like and this isn't going up until after your panel like there would be Tuck it in and like, you know, we're good, but, um, yeah, so that's going to be dope. Um, so yeah, that's a big headline. Uh, we got to see the first kind of teaser for star Trek Picard season three, which revealed the next generation characters and their updated kind of, uh, character designs. Mm-hmm. So we can get grand zaddy war out of this whole thing.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um,
1: yeah, but uh, yeah, it was cool. Michael Dorn and yeah, everybody: Jordy LaForge, Riker, Deanna Troy, uh, Beverly Crusher, all that. Um, listen, I'm going to be honest and say, like, and I and I don't say this lightly. I hope this is Patrick Stewart's last Comic Con for all the right reasons because he just goes and retires and doesn't do this kind of thing anymore and just enjoys his years of not doing this because this one was a little concerning. I was in the panel and I was kind of recording it and he was, and I had to say this to like, I kept messaging people on the team. I was just like, I, this is kind of getting uncomfortable because he was very muddled throughout the entire panel. Um, Mm -hmm. He was just kind of confused and muddled. And every time he asked a question, like he had comprehension problem, with basically every question. Uh, thanks. Thank God McFadden was sitting right next to him. Cause she did a lot of the like kind of saving and heavy lifting. And so did Alex Kurtman. He basically at the, by the end he was just deferring to Alex Kurtman every single time. Um, Like, and I mean, it just got kind of sad at the last one because somebody, it was a Q and a question. A fan was just like, who would win in a battle of like, you know, strategy battle, like Picard or professor X. And like he confused Professor X for Q and stuff like it. It got really messy. Mm. So I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with Patrick Stewart right now. I just think he's just hit that point in life where doing like managing something, and this is true of a lot of the elder stars you see at Comic Con. Uh, there was a woman in House of a Dragon who was an old English actress who obviously was not used to this kind of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a lot for them. And like,
2: it, it's not a good look. So <sighs> yeah, that's sad to hear. I didn't hear the details of the panel, but like paramount to, to the team paramount credit. Uh, I will say this paramount plus is one of the greatest streaming services to work with in our side of the business. Cause they're very like open in working as partners. Like they give us stuff like you were saying like you guys knew in advance, Maybe more in advance because you are on Paramount, but like y- even us, they they, they give us a heads up and all that stuff beforehand, which is incredible because most companies will, will not do that. But like you know, Paramount and Apple will, so props to them. But on that panel in particular, it's it's first of all, I think Star Trek Picard is the worst Star Trek show ever which is a shame because TNG is like one of the greatest well, things. I
1: keep hearing that. People keep saying that to me. It's um, I God enjoyed awful. the first season.
2: Really? I enjoyed oh. the first season immensely.
1: I, I think the first season was one of my favorite new star Trek seasons. Really? I like it better than discovery season three. Oh, I haven't finished wow. four, but, uh, not better than one or two. I like those the best,
2: uh, or no
1: strange new worlds. I like the best, but, um, yeah. I loved Picard season one. I don't mind the darker take on Picard. It, it, it's not really I not the liked. darker
2: take, I think it's just the other characters and what they're doing. No, uh,
1: I liked it in season one a lot. I yeah. thought season two was just, yeah. Yeah. Season two was, really I watched cool. it because Paramount plus automatically
2: generated it after each episode of halo. I watched. Oh yes, of course. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I grew up a TNG kid. My mom is obsessed with Patrick Stewart. Um, and so, even they couldn't handle. That's the one they've given up on. And I tried to convince him to come back for Strange New Worlds. So we'll see. But I mean, here's the thing with with Picard. Like you were saying, like they this was. They a little teaser footage of the new looks. They released posters online. You can see them. Um, there is no poster of Brent Spiner, by the way, who plays Data, but he is confirmed for the season in the press release. So for fans, yeah, but it.
1: they they teased he might not. I think he might be playing somebody else. They said that he'll be playing a
2: new old character. Oh, probably. I mean, no doubt. He yeah. plays. He shows up in every fucking show as some character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> of course. Uh, it's like not- in the, yeah, he he was the original guy
1: who designed Data or the and or the android guy uh in that's the it.
2: first season. Picard. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else and he's in the past of course in season 2 uh, I, I'm
1: just kind of mad I mean if we want to take it aside real quick I'm just mad because I did a lot of writing promoting the first season of Picard and I liked it because that one expanded lore in a way that I was really interested in like the Borg Romulan kind of connection was cool the whole techpocalypse overarching story of that season was awesome like and this whole suggestion that there are these robot gods like out there that are going to still kind of come and invade in the whole mystery of what happened with the robot uprising but like the show has just completely abandoned all of that (laughs) Yeah. like completely they turned Picard into a droid into a fucking android at the end of the first season but it's like none of that
2: matters no and in season two abandon all that again and then season three yeah. they're like i guess the ratings are reviews are generally not good especially season two so like season three they're kind of bringing everyone back and this is the final season but the point i was going to make is this is the final season so this will be the last comic-con and Everything you're saying about Patrick Stewart, why didn't they have the whole cast on stage? Then didn't, Patrick doesn't have to carry any of the questions, you know what I mean? I get it's called Picard, but seeing Michael Dorn up there, was, you know, would be pretty and LeVar Burton, and these are huge gets. So, um, it's a shame they didn't take advantage of the opportunity to have the whole cast up there as like the one final time, you know what I mean? But I mean, they were all each, I think, because they had to do so much.
1: And the cost this year, they just couldn't bring, they didn't, it wasn't in the budget to bring the whole cast. Cause each show got like a select membership of its cast. That's you know true. I
2: mean? That's true. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I do have a question though. That, that crossover was the big news. Cause you know, for the fans of Star Trek, lower decks is excellent by the way. It's in the TNG era yeah. as well. It's fucking awesome. There's so many guest stars. Uh, Riker is in it and it helps direct episodes of the live action shows and such. He's directing the crossover. Um, Jonathan Frakes his real name, if not Riker, the yeah, character. But I do have a question. They said, so this is a crossover, but these are two different eras. Because Strange New Worlds is like pre-Kirk era, Lower yeah. Decks, TNG era. The crossover takes place in Strange New Worlds. But will – so has Jack Quaid and, and the actress Tawny Newsom. I forget. They're going to be in live action. But yeah. they're also doing an animated clips, I guess. Do, is there any details on the, on the timeline part of it, how that works? No.
1: Nobody will say anything. Um they just kind of jokingly, because I did the interview with them for the Lower Decks cast, and first of all, Tawny broke a bunch of stuff on the Strange New Worlds set <laughs> constantly. <laughs> um, but uh, she, uh, but they won't say why. But there have been kind of these jokes uh, about them kind of getting in there, and you know how they kind of Forrest Gump their way there. And Strange New Worlds cast made jokes during their panel about how. You know, they did like uh, the vacation episode in season one where everybody was on leave. They did the episode where they had to act out that high fantasy thing. They did the aliens episode. And they said, if you think those high concept episodes were kind of like crazy in season one, you're like, you're not ready for season two. Like we're doing (laughs) some crazy shit. So like they're going to be doing these high concept episodes. So I'm sure it'll be some weird like time travel thing. Like they go into the. Uh, like, I don't know, somehow, some way they get like meet up with these other lower star fleet officers they need. Um, it'd be awesome if they came in as red shirts. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, so I don't know. They won't give details away,
2: but, uh, yeah, it's going to be a crossover. So that's going to be cool. Yeah. That's exciting. That show is excellent and the the fact that they're pushing me harder in that direction is awesome. They can, they can do whatever they want in my book. So good for them. We got a Sandman quick talk on Sandman and
0: then we got to talk Marvel. All
1: right. But uh, I mean, I didn't again, Sandman uh, because of screen rant and my time there, I have beef with Neil Gaiman. And so like, I'm not the biggest Neil Gaiman supporter and I've never read Sandman. That's a true podcast sex confession. And, uh, but uh, I did go back and I wasn't in this panel. Our own Jenna Anderson at comic book who loves Sandman was in there. But um, I did watch the marketing materials, and I'm curious now. Like uh, It did its job of selling me on the curiosity of wanting to watch this series and possibly finally maybe read Sandman. You hear yeah. that, Neil Gaiman?
0: Maybe Ooh. this will end. The feud, the feud that Neil Gaiman doesn't even know exists will end mm-hmm. once and for all.
2: Uh yeah, I don't know much to say here. I mean, I saw the same thing. I saw, I I'm just not familiar enough with the source material, but the marketing material looks neat. I do like the cast of it. And uh I have no prior history with Neil Gaiman, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man, I can't funny. believe I'm the only Sandman reader on this. Well, I'll say as someone who read some of the some of the graphic novels, I I dug the trailer. I do like the cast. I'm excited for this. Um, I'm glad they finally got something together for this franchise since there's been, you know, like several false starts um in terms of trying to like put some kind of adaptation together. And I feel I mean, like it's been like fucking years of false. Decades yeah, yeah, of that's false it. starts. Well, that's it. So it's like, you know, this is interesting. Like, I'm happy to have an adaptation. It seems like there's, you know, there's love and care being put into it. So you know, I mean, who knows? It could turn out to be total crap, but it does look like the kind of thing that I would have expected from an adaptation, and I feel like is at least trying to to honor the source material while also like moving it into a different medium. So I'm uh, I'm excited for that. We'll, uh, we'll I
1: will say this: I thought the trailer was trash uh it didn't do it for me but then i've been watching a lot of the clips that have online and reading a lot of the hardcore fan comments about the clips yeah um in the casting and stuff like that because there was some controversy with the casting of certain things like death because death is a black woman in this and so people are spazzing out um and but uh yeah when you watch the clips the actual scenes are really good and interesting and you know there's a scene they released online about death trying to teach dream a lesson about humans. And they go to see this aging kind of violinist and whose time is come. And he's a Jewish guy and he kind of breaks out in his final prayers and all this stuff. And it's a really good clip. And I was like, damn, and now I want to really watch this. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: So Uh, the clips I recommend, and there's one now of Gwendolyn Christie's Lucifer, where they introduce her as Lucifer
2: and like, yeah, so the clips have been interesting. It's cool. Like, Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but Uh, Before we move on, Ben, there's also a scripted podcast for the Sandman that Gaiman's involved with. Have you ever heard that? I haven't ever listened to
0: it. Um, You know what I actually just did start listening to is that Batman Unburied podcast that you've talked about previously, Kofi. That shit is wild. Yeah, it's pretty friggin' weird. I, Yeah, I was not obviously feeling well this week. And that first episode where there's all the squelching and people being like, ripped Kill open him. and stuff i was like man i can't i can't i don't this about I'm the most get back
1: one. into that because people yeah. keep i mean i know a lot of people who actually have like went through that whole thing and really liked it when it gets going yeah. um especially so i'm gonna get back into that but that thing was wild man
0: yeah back i'll have to check days. out uh i'll have to check out that Sandman podcast though because i do like these i like these scripted podcasts so i'll check it out but i haven't uh i haven't rub so that takes us to mm-hmm. marvel um, we probably didn't leave as much time for this as we were hoping to, but um, this is a Comic Con episode. Like, like who's going to tell us no? Who's going to tell us to stop talking? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to sleep. Yeah. Um, no, let's. Uh, yeah, so I mean, let's get into it. There was a lot of speculation about what we would potentially see here: the introduction of maybe a plan for the mutants or casting for the Fantastic Four. These are the things that I think a lot of people were. They were kind of on their dream list of things, I would say. And we were kind of thinking maybe those would be some of the big surprises Um, it seems like maybe.
1: let's frame some of this because there's a lot i I actually have there was a lot of the the thoughts i have on this marvel panel some of them (laughs) on the heavier side but let's frame this because this was an interesting thing uh it's an interesting thing about this podcast because we're hanging out here and we and we talk but we don't we don't tell everybody we don't tell each other everything because rob keys was sitting on a pretty big secret
2: oh shit (laughs) my bad (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, so we hosted this panel, Um, or a lovely host and, and lead reporter and producer, Ash crossan hosted this thing, um, which I did know about. Uh, I will say this, though. I did not know about all these announcements, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, sure. I mean,
1: that was going to be my first interview question was, so, I mean, I wasn't blaming you for keeping that secret because if you knew all these announcements, yeah, I mean, that would have been a difficult position to just to tell That's, me that in advance. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I will say this though, given like, some oh, of the, really? given some of the other stuff that did happen the day before online, I'm sure we're all aware of. I really wish I did know. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot that went on here, but uh, I'll say this: uh, it's funny from our you know preview podcast i think you guys both got a lot of what you wanted or said they should do and also some of the things we really didn't want to see yeah, so 100% like
0: we can <laughs> say that the thing that i think we all agreed that we didn't want them to do was to rush into their next avengers team up movie and or they are definitely Secret Wars <laughs> yeah. yeah they are definitely doing that and like we were talking a 10 year plan I wanted a 10 year plan for Secret Wars, Wars and they gave us a 3 year plan
2: but you also said I wanted I wanted them to announce Secret Wars so I know what they're building towards and they're like yeah it's yeah. happening but it's like 24 months from now or whatever yeah, 3 years from now the, yeah um, and yeah, for Kofi so. everything Kofi's ever said about this is like the entire thing is labeled the multiverse saga <laughs> which I died when I heard that oh my god yeah um, yeah well, let's start well, this year, yeah. I guess. Um, I mean, the, the obvious things that I we all thought were going to be there were there, obviously. And, and, and uh, phase, f- what's interesting though, is in terms of like the the how they're organizing the phase four, five, and six. Is that phase four ends this year with a uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, which uh, yeah. kind of started and ended the panel, rightfully so. So that's kind of neat. And then after that, they just went full bore with phase five. They confirmed everything and all the trade reports. So. Uh, do you want to just, I don't know what you want to do here. You just want to detail what those are or.
1: Yeah, I think, okay.
2: Thankfully we got that kind of up there. So all I got to do is do that. And I know our handy little chart is here. Yeah, I got there. It's funny. I remember I said, everyone loves that big timeline they put on the screen. It's the big thing. Everybody wants a photo of. And they did exactly that. Um, I am curious how much of this came together last minute. And I know we talked about Warner Bros. I think the Warner Bros. panel came together very last minute as well. Um, didn't work out for them as well, but for, for, for Marvel studios, uh, well, let's just say this, we'll go through phase five, Ben. You want to just run, run through the list, I guess. Uh, uh, Oh,
1: here's a fucking funny, isn't this funny in real time, man? We're going to, this is going to be a funny conversation up and down. Uh, yeah. So we had an MCU phase five, but it looks like 12 hours ago, some other site can swooped in there and took that spot. Do you guys know what a screen rant is?
2: uh Oh, oh here we go. Yeah, hey, oh, we playing SEO battles, <laughs> SEO Battleship. <laughs> oh, God, uh,
1: yeah, we can't get too deep
2: into this. <laughs> <laughs> I got, the, I got the screenshots here uh, of the actual, like the from the panel. No, the battle no, I know. Yeah, we had a, we had a good standing in there for a minute. All right. Well, you know how it is. Tomorrow will be someone else. Um, but yeah. a- yeah. Anime in the Moss Quantumania is the beginning of Phase Five. Um that film was one of the three we talked about. They had some cast on stage, um, including Jonathan Majors as Kang, which was very exciting because they're building this whole kind of saga around him, which is awesome. After um, this kind of scene-stealing moment in Loki and uh, Kevin Feige in multiple interviews mentioned, it's fun seeing him play. like carry this on his back. Cause he's got, you know, an unparalleled, an insane amount of talent, but he's playing, he's playing different versions of the character variants as they call them. Right. So that's exciting to see. Cause that's, that is something that really differentiates uh, the character and personalities we'll see versus someone like Thanos, who is the big, yeah. you know, the big bad, of Consistent the thing. Infinity yeah. Saga. yeah, which is awesome. Cause you can pull them in and out of any sort of story, any timeline, which is cool. Um, and then it's secret invasion. Um, mm-hmm which is a Disney plus thing that comes next. Uh, And then we have echo doesn't have a specific date, but echo is a spinoff of of Hawkeye Uh, and and guardians three. The cast was there for that. Uh, And here um, we had another sort of costumed entry into the panel. Right. Uh, What's the actor's name from peacemaker? I can't, I don't know it, but who who plays the high evolutionary. Yeah, that's it. So oh. the, the fan theories were that he would play the highly evolutionary, and it's true. And he came out in costume in this kind of purple thing with his face, and worked the crowd a little bit, and came on stage, and, and he was uh, awesome on the press lines and stuff too. So um, that was cool to see, and, and it was like a, a bit of a tearjerker moment for Chris Pratt and, and, and all those guys because they, you know, they are acknowledging again that this is the end of this iteration of the Guardians. James Gunn kept thanking the fans, not just for supporting him, but also like the franchise, but supporting him personally and getting him back. It was, you know, the infamous thing co- many Comic-Cons ago where he was uh, – Disney had removed him <laughs> and fired him from Guardians 3 uh, like the day before Gunn was supposed to be at Comic-Con promoting uh, Brightburn with Sony. Yeah, um, and then yeah, was was, yeah you and I have talked about that in the past.
0: We were just like you and I were walking with like some of our friends from Regal, the movie theater chain, Regal um like their pr team we were just like walking over to have lunch with them and that news broke while we were outside like waiting to get into our lunch place at comic-con
2: during the con yeah so they like, yeah. really really weird to see that happen right because like, like, like yeah. a, it just destroyed a panel like <laughs> within hours right an unrelated panel no doubt um too bad because all- bright was awesome Right everyone's cool somebody deserved that panel and and james Gunn didn't he was done wrong anyway they made it right He brought him back uh we all suffered through eternals because of it um but yeah uh, that is what it is loki season two and the marvels coming out at the same time next summer uh the marvels of course following up what we saw in that very last teaser scene in miss marvel um uh, we talked a lot about this last week too and then blade finally has a date very obvious one. We all kind of predicted this too. We we know, I think we mentioned last week that blade was supposed to start shooting right now. And it got delayed a little bit. It's going to begin shooting uh, in October and it's going to come out next November followed by Ironheart and uh, whose lead is going to be appear this year in the black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, And then we finally get uh, the date and sort of a a renaming of the WandaVision spinoff Agatha. It's going to be called, I think coven of chaos. Um, And the big, cool thing for me, I'm a big fan. We're all are of Charlie Cox daredevil getting a new new beginning of sorts um uh, in the mcu after a little cameo in no way home and a canceled scene um he's going to be in i mentioned earlier he's voicing a character in freshman years the spider-man animated show he's going to be in we saw him in the she hulk trailer yep. uh, with a new costume showing some yellow uh and daredevil it's called born again which is kind of a kind of a bold move on naming kofi are you familiar with born again comics Fuck yeah. You yeah, so you want to talk about any predictions from that guy, like, I, I can't speak to that very well. I mean,
1: I don't I don't know how the MCU is going to use it because Yeah, they've used these, these titles, Yeah. We we had a lot of theories about Daredevil Born Again. I think it was going into Daredevil season three, the of Netflix show. There were certain elements that we thought they could borrow from Born Again uh back then for that whole kind of like bullseye storyline but it, that didn't pan out as much mm-hmm. but uh yeah like yeah it's uh i mean i, I don't know i don't know because it's 18 episodes i think they could get into the i wonder how much they're going to get into kind of
2: what what happens with kingpin and all that yeah Yeah, so we we should say that Vincent D'Onofrio is confirmed as the other lead, of course. Yeah,
1: and it's about his secret identity kind of getting exposed by Karen Page, who's on drugs, and I know they're going to sidestep that whole thing probably, (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, like it's about like what happens when you know he Matt Murdock or Daredevil gets his secret identity in the hands of Kingpin, who then basically squeezes him out of his own you know civilian identity life yeah um so i but i don't know any mcu you never know right like how much of the comic stuff is coming and how much is just an ode to the comics because obviously daredevil born again as a title is a very loaded title that means a couple things uh in this context and could be a double entendre or not Because it's obviously the Daredevil franchise that fans loved coming back. That's it. With Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio and Daredevil getting a new start within the MCU.
2: So uh, I don't know how much of the actual born again storyline we're going to see. The biggest thing you said there is 18 episodes, which is sort of unheard of. Well, almost in all of the streaming, really, but like certainly for a Marvel show. And even if these are short episodes, like, like WandaVision short, I think WandaVision was only nine episodes. This is twice that. I think. Well, that's awesome for one because, like, you know, there's a lot of hours of screen time in the Netflix shows, even when they clock in at ten episodes, because they're like a full hour, sometimes a little longer. Um, but also, like, if you look at the schedule they put up, like, if a if a Gatha comes out end of next year, there's a huge gap. Wait, did you in- say Agatha? Agatha, sorry, Agatha. <laughs> Jeez, uh, Agatha, Covenant with Chaos, yeah. Um, but there's a huge gap in terms of like the slate between that at the end of next year and then Captain America four in May, which is the summer. Right. So I think the 18 episodes is like, if they're doing their weekly shit, that's, they're trying to fill in like three months of time there. Right. So maybe even if they do two episodes a week, it's sort of the same thing. So, um, the other big note here is, and, and obviously this was a big talking point in interviews after the panel. Um, and Kevin Feige dropped that, like going forward, there's like different parts of the universe. Obviously, we're going to see Harry Styles and Eros back in the cosmic side, but the street level heroes are going to be led by Daredevil and Spider Man, which is kind of nice to hear. So um, expect we already know Daredevil's going to be popping up everywhere. So um, who knows if Spidey makes an appearance somewhere along the lines too? There, but
1: there's a lot of theories about Tom Holland's current contractual stuff that's it where he's going to pop out one more time in the MCU. He has one more and daredevil born again is a kind
2: of likely I mean area where he could be. That would be amazing. And Charlie Cox going back to interviews with us like years ago, always said, Hey, I would love to share the screen with Spider-Man. So that would be awesome. Um, and a big play for Disney plus, right? So, um, yeah, the next big one is Captain America four as our official title. It's called new world order. It's coming out. It's kicking off the summer of 2024 in May. Uh, So a new title announcement. We already knew they had a director and writer attached. It's coming out of uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Anthony Mackie's back as Sam Wilson, Cap. And then right after that, it's probably tied together as Thunderbolts. And that's the conclusion of Phase 5, the kind of all-villain team-up of sorts, which brings back –
1: I'm kind of really curious about Daredevil's proximity to Thunderbolts. I'm really kind Uh, of curious about which version of Thunderbolts they're going to go with. Yeah. And – If you've been a regular comic reader the last few years, one of the biggest Marvel events was King in Black, Um, the whole culmination of kind of Eddie Brock's venom and the versus the symbiote god. Uh, But one kind of that was a whole crossover across the Marvel Comics line. And one thing that it created was this little special mini series of Thunderbolts, which was basically Suicide Squad as run by the kingpin and kingpin uh. needed a group of villains to go do something during this big symbiote evasion and it was like this crazy deadly mission and so it's like taskmaster and leading a bunch of like c and d marvel villains into this crazy circumstance and them having to pull it off and yeah and dodge symbiote dragons and do all this stuff to pull off this uh I think it really helped defeat this symbiote god. Um, but like, yeah, and it was run by Kingpin. That's cool, man. That could become, be it too. who became mayor of New York City and so was like also the mayor. So, you know, and that's- I'm wondering how much of Daredevil will set up Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin as a big, big bad and then like lead in the Thunderbolts, because somebody's gotta be kind of bankrolling you know uh Valentina, right? Like and seems like in this MCU verse, I and mean, you know, Wilson's Fisk's money
2: has a long reach to making people do crazy things. It's, 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 it's funny how much connection there is there between those Netflix characters and, like, multiple iterations of the Thunderbolts. Because the run, the last run I read of Thunderbolts is, I think, before that, which was, like, Red Hulk with the leader. It would be amazing to bring him back, right, from the Incredible Hulk. But also, like, Electra and Punisher, who are, like, the other Netflix Daredevil introductions pre-MCU. Yeah. So that would be a cool way to... If you want to bring back Punisher and Electra, there's, there's your entry point without having to give them their own title. So... And Feige teased that the roster of the team will have people we have not met yet That's in it. the MCU, but it
1: does not make it clear whether the film itself will introduce new people or we'll simply see, like, you know, Titania from She-Hulk.
2: Yeah. Right, or, right,
1: right. Or Abomination from She-Hulk could end up, I mean, that could be one we know from the She-Hulk trailer, which we can talk about, that, um, you know, Emil Blonsky's Abomination will not be just a cameo but an actual – central focus of this series about like what's going on and what Jennifer Walters is trying to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So provided she gets him off or out of jail, like, yeah, he could be a thunderbolt. Right. That's it. Um, so like, you know, the roster having characters we haven't met yet could mean a lot of things because we got to go through a lot of shows from echo to, you know, the guardians of the galaxy, Marvel secret evasion, Ant-Man and the wasp, the Marvels Ironheart, even blade, like any of those things can turn out a character that ends up on a Thunderbolts team. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So uh, interesting to see how that plays out. One of the most exciting kind of newer things they, they, they can do in the MCU and something we've kind of, been, we've all been kind of talking about. is that they should do Thunderbolts like many, many, many years ago. And certainly when the suicide squad thing was coming about in DC, there's always those comparisons being made. Um, but yeah, so the big notable, that's, so that's where phase five end caps, which is with the new team up, uh, which is interesting and different spin. Uh, but the big thing there with phase four and five, no Avengers films, right? In stark contrast to the phase one and two, which were both end cap with like Avengers or slash Ant-Man and then two Avengers films in phase three, um, and you'll also notice that when we begin phase six, uh, we got a teaser of phase six, but it had like eight unannounced dates. So to be determined, probably at D D23, some of it. Um, we can talk about omissions after this, but uh, the teaser for phase six is that it begins with Fantastic Four, which was teased a couple years ago. Of course, we got the logo uh, p- prior to this. Uh, it's coming out in November of 2024. So just over two years from now, it's not... When you think about that. Yeah, this where is what's so our begins in just over two years. Isn't
0: that crazy? Yeah, this is what's weird is like the like they're condensing. I guess there's more content coming out, that's so you it. can say that's you what know, Feige
2: said. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: four movies I mean, instead 5 of 5 two, two per, per year. year. Plus, yeah. well, back Trust. in the day, we were waiting like for a,
1: a year movie, for a movie. A year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I remember that lineup so clearly when we started. aSR uh, was just like oh man, Iron Man, man, we got Iron Man 2 coming in a couple years. We got to be ready for yeah. that. And yeah. Thor, the guys, we really got to be ready because Thor's coming the next year and then Captain America the next year or Thor and yeah. Captain America in one year and then Avengers, right? Yeah. And so That's like, it. yeah, all of phase one, which is only like what? One, two, three, four, six, like six, right? Five, if you count Incredible Hulk films and Avengers six, like yeah, and that took from 2008 2012. To, yeah. to 2012, yeah 2012,
2: four years. So, so we're getting twice that in a year now, right? So that's like 300 percent production increase or whatever. But uh, you know, it's. Because of the Disney Plus factor, it is exponentially larger than we ever thought. We always knew it would go to three movies and then four years, and then you'd have the Sony productions growing up. And then at the time, also, X-Men was trying to do three movies a year. That fell off the map, but it's not part of this. So um, Yeah,
1: so that whole – the Disney Plus factor is a big one. Yes, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, so you're talking about – yeah, like what now? Three films a year plus like three at least Disney Plus series a year. Mm -hmm.
0: like. Yeah, so, yeah, I see why it's, an, it's
1: faster. Plus, the it's enemies. a great way to get yeah. out of your bad ideas.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you get, get through them a couple quick, yeah, a couple of years. The It's just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely part of me, though, that feels like, you know, that initial three phases, you know, is 10 years of our life, like, even more than that, I guess. Like, that was just such a special kind of experience because of how long it took. Like, we had 10 years building up, essentially, Thanos as, like, this villain. And while Kang may get just as many movies, it doesn't, it feels like it's coming at us so quickly. I mean, we barely got any Kang yet, so I don't, you know, maybe he's going to turn out to be really awesome. No
1: Kang. We have one, he who
0: remains and that's about it. That's it. Yeah. So it's like, it could be that, you know, after I've seen Ant-Man and I've seen a couple other appearances of that character or different versions of the character, by the time we get to the Kang dynasty, I'm feeling like he's as developed as a Thanos is, but right now it's feeling like it's coming faster than I want it to.
1: Well, I mean, event, I mean, Kang dynasty could also be like infinity war essentially where Marvel, I mean, it's King, that, yeah. yeah, that putting a villain as a central character is, yeah,
2: which it, is a huge win. Work out. All that. Yeah. Yeah. that. Um, yeah. um,
1: so this could be, I mean, Kang Dynasty could be literally the movie where we get to fully meet Kang. Because, yeah. I mean, if you ever read things like Avengers Forever, you know how much of a fucking head trip that character is.
0: <laughs> yeah, for
1: sure. Uh, or, the, or the recent Kang limited series, which was also pretty awesome, but fucked up. It <laughs> was like time travel. I mean, it was Kang trying to outwit his later self as a younger man, only to realize it's the same
2: path that... Takes them to becoming
0: that Iron yeah, Man, right? Right. Yeah.
2: Um. Cool. So w- what you're saying is true, though, because of the condensed real timeline. What it means is, despite us getting more content and more characters, different shows, none of these characters get follow up time, right? So the difference in a 10 year gap is that you get three Iron Mans or two Caps or three Caps. You know what I mean? Leading up to a thing, and you get the development, the huge arc of that character from beginning to end before their moment in Endgame. The fear here is that like with Echo, Daredevil, Ironheart, Blade, a new characters, like no one's getting any time. They have their one movie, and then boom, it's time for an event 18 months later.
1: Yeah, but we kind of know that's not true. We know we're going to see Daredevil in
2: She-Hulk. Daredevil's an exception, but it could be yeah. like, someone could be like but then Namor, he'll be in Echo, Fantastic Four.
1: Kingpin will have been in, Echo will have been in Hawkeye, Kingpin will have been in Hawkeye, and they'll both be in Echo with Daredevil, then Daredevil mm-hmm. Born Again will probably have all of them back in it. Like, yeah, it's going to get nuts. But um, I think... We might. I'm kind of more worried that there we'll get enough appearances, but it'll be oversaturation. Yeah, like we'll just be sick of seeing so much Daredevil so quick. We'll be like, can we do something else besides Daredevil?
2: That's it, Daredevil I mean, movie. You know. no, no one's ever gonna say that. Get out of here. I know we're playing around, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're, you're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah, it just what the point is. There's like there's no Thunderbolts two. You know what I mean before blade two or, or there's no blade series before the, you know what I mean the thing and blade's a weird character to pull out because that could be a whole sub-universe there but um uh there's also no follow-ups to the latest stuff we saw Right? There's no moon Knight 2 here or stuff like that yeah
1: but um, that's the difference too I mean Marvel now seems to be like here we're gonna contract you and like they say they're doing it per project but I feel like if they make like little mini contract plans like you're gonna be in these three things. And it's, it's crossover time head. or event. Because yeah. every
2: movie's a team up now, right? So, yes. You're, yeah, you're not and wrong. Just like, and and now
1: it's just, but it's like quick, get him in. Get them in. Get him to do the things. Get them out, right? So Before we had to pay him too much. And then, like, yeah, Daredevil will do all this stuff in the next couple of years. But then Matt Murdock will have to go to Europe. And, you know, like Electra will take over as Daredevil for a while. Like, same way, Doctor Strange is going to be hanging out in the dark dimension for a while. Right. right. Yeah. And then, like... Player will take over and you know, all this stuff. Like, so I feel like that's just the strategy. Whereas back in phase one, it was like Chris Hemsworth
2: signed on and that motherfucker was locked down for 10 years. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. You'll notice over the last five years, not a single Marvel actor who signed up with them is able to speak to their contract length anymore. <laughs> Very intentionally. um Yeah. So uh, back to that. So the, even though fantastic four is the kind of beginning of phase six, they say there is one film dated that fall or film or TV show that has not been in, dated yet. So it could be something like Armor Wars. We'll get to that later. But yeah. I, in terms of what else is on this slate, we skip ahead until May of 2025 and this is where the Avengers come back. This is the King Dynasty, which we talked about. And that leads to, a couple months later, that fall, Phase 6, and the Multiverse Saga ends with Secret Wars, the long-rumored dream project of the Rousseau brothers, the same brothers who will not be directing these films at all. So <laughs> it's- uh, very strange, but uh, so there you have it. So there's eight undated or I guess not dated, but untitled films in there um, or TV shows. And we, I think we know some of them already. If you want to go through those, uh, Kofi, you were going to say something, I think about that fall date. Oh, uh, what? Oh, no. Oh, I, I thought you were chiming we're in right on the War, armor wars comment I made. Uh, oh
1: no, I, I did. I was saying it was kind of fucked up. I mean, this all goes to a, a culminating point that I'm going to, uh, to make, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Armourers was, was a big miss. Uh, I want to know what's going on with Rhodey War Machine
2: and why that's not like on the docket. Yeah. It, it, it's weird. So here, a couple things, two things. One, uh, Rhodey, Don Cheetah will be in Secret Invasion. That was confirmed here as part of this event. Uh, I know we didn't talk much about Secret Invasion. They, it, it's weird. For the cast on that, they only had Kobe Smothers on stage. They didn't have any actual new leads for that show. So, uh, But they did show a clip, I think, right, with uh, – Sam Ellis, Nick Fury, and I think Ben Mendelsohn. I didn't, yeah, it happened too fast. It so like a trailer sizzle reel type deal. That's it. So very curious what that's leading to, especially given the multiverse saga of it all and all the other projects. It kind of feels a little weirdly timed and isolated. And this That could have been like a phase, right? Secret invasion. But um, the Armor Wars thing, right when that omission was kind of talked about online, the writer on Instagram said, don't worry, this is still happening. It's probably just part of the, D twenty three lineup, but it, it was I guess for that purposes of the slate, they probably just wanted Fantastic Four, Avengers. That those are the big events to begin and end this thing. But still, it would have well, been nice to keep Armor Wars there.
1: Well, there is also the behind the scenes question of whether they were going to really reveal those Avengers things, or did the internet just fuck that for for Marvel Studios right beforehand? Because uh, going into Comic Con, we had that big kind of leak discovery. I don't know what to call it, but you know, it's one of the ways people find out things is, you know, the there's always the merch way, but there's also the legalese way, because when (laughs) studios want to make these shows, they have to lock down all the marketing and promotional avenues, which means domain names and sometimes just filing certain, you know, paperwork you gotta do for an upcoming production. And if you know where to look, you can always find you know them making those little administrative moves that's as tip and um, so yeah, Secret Wars and Kang Dynasty were two big names that came out of kind of quiet little moves Marvel was making to lock down things. And so I'm wondering because that's the only thing they really put on that slate, right? Besides like Fantastic Four and like yeah, I'm just wondering like if
2: they were ever going to reveal that if the internet hadn't done that. That's a very good question. <laughs> uh, I don't want to delve into that much um, or the uh, the trademarks of it all and what could happen next, but um, yeah, it's a good point to make. I mean, certainly th- in that same discussion was also Thunderbolts and Captain America New World Order, of course, and many other things we'll talk about in the future, I'm sure. Um, but uh, just from what we know from before in previous trade reports, like we talked about Armor Wars is, is confirmed that somewhere in there probably – the very first one there potentially in the fall 2024 but we also know after shang chi that they confirmed daniel destin is going to be doing a sequel and head headlining a or helping show run sort of a, a spinoff series based on the 10 rings right so neither of those were were discussed we also know deadpool 3 is happening with sean levi directing right uh uh R- 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 reese and paul wernick are back writing so that's happening deadpool 3 mutants somewhere i guess probably in there right um and then there's also one of the moon knight writers was attached to become like the, 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 he's pending the script for something for Nova. So that potentially Phase six, if not after that, I potentially, and then we talked last week, about mutants, what's, what's next for the mutants? Will it be a mutant specific project in there as well? We don't, we don't really know. So, um, I'm hoping biggest fucking omission of this whole panel werewolf by night. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, not on that slate at all. I, I think I, I do think they're treating that as like a very one-off, unique, special sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's supposed to be canon. It is. I have no doubt. But it's a good point. Um, you know what they'll do? They'll probably show the same slate and they'll fit in two more things or something. <laughs> a D23 yeah, D twenty three or something. Um, there's more, you know, but, uh, we'll find out he's the werewolf that, or the little creature
1: that crawled into that museum the first night with moon night. Oh God. Yeah. I hope it doesn't look like that. Holy shit.
2: Qu-
0: question. All, All I know when I look at this, like list of movies and TV shows is like, I have done a good job of watching everything up until this point with the exception of daredevil season three. But that's because, you know, that stuff was starting to kind of fall off, but I can't not fall off in quality, but I mean, in terms of like relevance to the larger MCU well said, well said, but how the hell am I going to like watch all of this content? It's like, it ma- they're making it so hard for people to like be completionists at this point, unless it is your job to like watch these movies and, you know, be in the know about all this stuff. Um, like I, I don't know how, I feel like I have friends who've kind of, you know, gone back through the, you know, the chronology and, and rewatch things and make sure that they filled in all the gaps and everything. And it's like, man, you're talking 18 episodes of Daredevil. You're talking, you know, nine episodes of She-Hulk you're talking. And these are, you know, these are just the things that are coming out in the next like couple months or, well, not so much Daredevil, but like, you know, She-Hulk and stuff. It's like when you're talking to get to like 2025, like there's so much Marvel content that people will need to have consumed to have like experienced the whole thing um I don't say that, that that's a bad thing but man I just look at it it's like Mount Everest or something of how <laughs> you're right you know, to like because like, there are other shows I want to watch you know like I want to discover shows and I, I, think, I, I want you know
2: I want my for all mankind like uh, Marvel's not giving me much room to to maneuver here especially when we have the quality of some of the phase four projects we've seen right it's like yeah for sure like, there's no motivation like, either to want to watch some of this uh, stuff but you know what like to their credit they've always said this in a, a far big parts of fandom. I always kind of hated it sometimes, but they always said like, Hey, you don't need to see this thing to watch this thing. You know what I mean? The Avengers yeah. or e- this movie can stand on its own. And they've always kind of said that. And it has kind of played true most of the time. And we complain about the lack of connection sometimes between movies. And sometimes that's by design. And, and I think the reality is they've accepted the business decision behind this at all. Right. Where it's like, yeah, they sure. know. And look at the numbers for Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel to me is the, the highest quality Marvel Disney plus show, but it's also the lowest least viewed. Um, yeah. That's such a bummer really right it's, it's, you know what i mean so so it's like you know but when miss marvel shows up in the marvels as a lead character there you probably don't even need to see miss marvel obviously right so that that's how they're yeah. going to play it and that's certainly going to be true with what they also say where like each movie like thor and but the last two thors and captain america three like these movies are becoming uh, you know specialist ensembles where it's like you're not not so much character films anymore they're every movie is becoming a crossover movie so I think you're just gonna you're gonna be able to survive on just the ten poles, um, and not have to see every single character show necessarily. Like yeah. I don't think Agatha uh, will matter to see the Kane Dynasty. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Right. So I mean, no, it,
1: they're going for a variety of genre and demographics. They're good. not doing the unified thing anymore. Yeah, yeah, they're just trying to get. If you want to watch it, it's all good, and you know it's one big playground. But it's also just making stuff that appeals to different people, like and different demos and, and out in
2: drawing in and expanding the scope of the universe itself in micro crossovers, which we'll see in maybe werewolf by night or like you, like Kofi was suggesting with some, a lot of the characters we could be seeing in daredevil setting up Thunderbolts and such. There could be a lot of yeah, micro I mean uh, Like, it's pretty obvious
1: that like moon night and miss Marvel were more like, you know, more geared towards appealing to the demographic of middle Eastern or Pakistani people. than you know, being part of deep Marvel lore. Yeah. because There was nothing in there that you needed to have seen previous films and all that stuff to understand. You don't even need to see captain Marvel to understand miss Marvel. Yeah. yeah. So like it it, it was more about the kind of either genre influences, cultural influences and expanding the scope of the universe to those that it maybe hasn't spoken directly to before.
2: So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's just the new strategy. And I think they're like, we're already established as a brand hundred percent. And I do think when we get more phase six announcements officially, uh, you'll see like the better definition of these micro universes. We already defined cosmic and street level heroes, but there's also like the, the darker Werewolf by night moon, night blade yeah, stuff, supernatural Midnight heroes, Suns, Mid- Marvel Knights type shit. So yeah, there's a lot of supernatural. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. So um, yeah, we'll see what's interesting is between the two Avengers films, there's like two projects. So I'm curious how much like, crossover weight that those will carry like will, 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 will those be big bridge stories event films that kind of bridge the gap between kane dynasty and secret wars the same way i guess what was it captain marvel came between infinity war and endgame and caused some confusion there but um anyways yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see but uh, in terms of omissions though we kind of talked about some of them but there's obviously no talk of a nether th- thor or anything related to hercules slash gods of olympus there's yeah. uh, i mean the focus is on guardians 3 but beyond that cosmic side there's you know there's no talk of what could be next and we talked about you know eternal Celestials. no talk there nothing for infinity watch or anything like that no talk of x-men or our lovely inhumans um or even the other netflix leads right there's no jessica jones or luke cage titles here but i'm sure we'll see them both or at least jessica jones we're going to see i'm sure but um, aka jessica jones they that, already got the name that's it 100 percent um yeah, also oh, one one news that, that came out today. I was off today, but I saw it before we started recording. is that uh uh Destinote no Yeah. He's going to be directing uh, Dynasty of King, one of the Avengers films. Yeah. So, yep. which is awesome. Like I'm curious what that means for the schedule or his role with Shang-Chi 2 whenever that yeah. happens. So, um I was surprised. Ben.
0: Yeah, that was one of my surprising things here was that there was with all of these movies coming out, like Shang-Chi 2 isn't on this slate either maybe that's one of the things that's getting held open but that's a character that i feel like you would want you know integrated more in this whole thing um before you get to something like you know
2: it, it, well it, it, but i wonder yeah you know, it's funny because Simuli Lee was there and all lights the day after so it's really awkward not having him on stage um yeah. especially since shang chi is the best thing at phase four but yeah it, i am very curious now what that means because like the do you really want to hold off a sequel for like five years and put it out in phase seven Like, No way. Right. You got to have Shang-Chi in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you can't do it the same year. King dynasty. I mean, you can't direct both those films. So you'd have to like start shooting something this year for next year and squeeze it in somewhere. But um, I have no idea. Maybe D23 clarifies that for us, but uh, yeah. that was probably the most notable admission for me as well. So, yeah. yeah
0: um all right well we're running we're running long well well, well, we got one more thing to do we
1: were we are not getting out of here without talking about black panther trailer oh yeah for sure um yeah so yeah this is also kind of the portion i've been waiting for because uh yeah this was portions a little bit heavier for me but uh let's talk about black panther because i was doing a live stream when this came up uh we were filming we decided to for once film uh for people for our Marvel podcast, phase zero, what it, what it looks like behind the scenes when you're trying to cover hall H. (laughs) So we did a live stream of that of us just like in the office, trying to work hall H, which was interesting, but um, yeah, I didn't want to react. I was really kind of guarded about reacting on screen about black Panther. uh, Wakanda forever trailer. Um, And just the panel, which I sat down and kind of just looked at more footage from the panel and stuff. Later, which is kind of weirdly where I got this whole first thing about talking about Rob and you know <laughs> just making the joke about you know keeping the secret that you guys were hosting this panel um, yeah so Black Panther 2 trailer was was very beautiful and very moving very touching I, I mean everybody has their keywords all so locked yeah. in for that um, people have brought up the interesting point because this trailer has made people dig up the original Black Panther teaser. Uh, and look at kind of what Ryan Coogler shot versus what Disney ultimately put into theaters and the side-by-sides from some of that. Yeah. So I hope, because the footage from this Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever teaser was incredibly beautiful. It's probably yeah. one of the most stunning Marvel movies I've ever seen. And I hope they keep it that way. I hope they don't go back and do all the kind of lightning and weird CGI-ing that they do to make Chadwick Boseman look half as you know, have two times skinnier and with purple electricity around it yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but um. yeah, it, it's, it's a very weird experience. And uh, like I said, forgive me, I'm about to get it heavy for listeners, but um, it was a very weird thing for Marvel to close with. And I get it. They did it. It was a very solemn and kind of respectful thing to do to give Black Panther the spotlight like that, considering the loss of Chadwick Boseman. But it was also kind of a very heavy moment for me that I think is going to really stick with me and make Comic-Con 2022 stick with me. Um, Just seeing the trailer and seeing the cast on stage and stuff, uh, you know, there's a big thing that I've been thinking about regarding because of Black Panther. Um, When Chadwick Boseman died, it was a very big deal for me personally. My son had just literally seen Black Panther for the first time. He sat down and he wanted to see it with, one of my wife's friends who was kind of here and babysitting with him and watched it with her son and all that. And so he watched it and he was so into it, like immediately he was running around my house, carrying a little black Panther action figure, um, a little black Panther pop figure and a black Panther plush doll that in all three of them, he was running around the house for days. He was so excited. He was just playing with this. And, you know, I got the news that Chadwick Boseman died standing in the kitchen, literally, with him, like running around with his dolls and playing and talking about me. And my son talks a lot and asks questions all the time. You know, I had to go out in the garage and I was very emotional, not just because of the loss of Chadwick Boseman, but just, you know, the idea that now just when, you know, my son had figured out, you know, to love this hero, this, you know, one of the only and most prominent black heroes around that, you know, this guy that he was dead and he would never get to see, a Black Panther movie in theaters with Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa and this character he had just attached to. And, you know, my son's only half black, but he very much identifies with me and his father and stuff like that. And that was a big deal for me. That was a, and it still is, it still really makes me emotional because, you know, there is a big part of being African American where there is this thing. And this brings me around to hall H on Saturday where the idea of, black suffering gets almost fetishized into this thing of being this noble quality of who we are, you know, the ability to endure horrible things and have horrible things happen and keep this kind of strong spirit and nobility, which is, you know, a very good quality to have admittedly in life. But, um, you know, I think as times go on and more and more people get into, more and more life styles where middle class becomes more diverse and you know other things like that and economics becomes more diverse is there is a growing discussion about is that kind of like a right quality to be fostering constantly the endurance of trauma in as being part of kind of a core characteristic of who you are and what makes you special or powerful right um, yeah. And so it was just kind of a very weird thing to see, and it didn't settle right with me completely, and I don't think it ever will, because while I know Ryan Coogler and the cast and everybody was up there and celebrating Chadwick Bozeman and doing their best to carry this franchise that is a very prominent black blockbuster franchise and of, and of utmost importance, in that sense and a cultural revolution that it was when black Panther came out. um, You know, we are also looking at a movie that while made genuinely by the filmmakers is being sold by a studio as this very large, based on this trailer kind of celebration or not celebration, but it's making a dollar off of black suffering and loss and trauma And this idea of representing it in some kind of higher way, which was, you know, very disturbing that even when we succeed in a sense, like we can't succeed without taking some kind of massive loss, which is the thought that keeps like making me upset when looking at like my son that I can't tell him that there is this black hero out there without explaining to him that, oh, but the guy died. And now like, you know, all this other asterisk of horrible stuff that goes with it yeah and it's a very disturbing thing and it it kind of when i went back and watched the panel it was it really kind of was that and i really was kind of stuck on that but i also kind of it weirdly went home to me when i finally kind of also looked over and again not to bring this all down and make it too heavy but like I also looked over and I saw them all standing next to a podium with the Screen Rant logo next to it. And it really kind of all just kind of really hit home in a way. And it really kind of, it really kind of stuck in my mind, like and really stepped out to me in particular because it was just, it was this funny thing because this was the first year that I went out and like I was just talking to people and people would say things to me and be like, oh, just making a conversation or even some people I met just like randomly from like SR. This was the first year that I think I've reached the point where people have actually said to me like where I've reached the point where things have moved far enough along. The company has moved like you guys have done all this great stuff with it. But it's that point where like people have now no idea that like I have anything to do with this. Right right so like people would be like even people i was talking to would be like oh so like what did you like or what did you do when you worked for screenwriter or something or like or um i forget how they put it it was a weird phrasing but it was like something like i was just like oh like i was one of your like bullpen writers or something like that but um it was just kind of a weird sensation and that's not to say anything bad about you guys or company or because nobody's ever done anything bad to me but it was just this weird point about, and we don't get into it a lot about like what happened with that old thing. And you know, something you spent a lot of time on and that feeling of kind of loss was kind of combined with that feeling of kind of loss in a different sense. And it's just a hard thing to sometimes see like what it is to go through this world as an African-American and how you can be, kind of expected to endure things and, and just do that, but it can be a very hard thing to do. So I say all that to say that I hope that Ryan Coogler and the cast get to make the film they want and this doesn't become a product and kind of get messed with and sold because I think there is a kind of very bad way this can come out. And I hope that it doesn't because What I've seen so far of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever looks beautiful. I think they have a great story there about kind of what it is to be a king and to be admired and like what that means between like T'Challa, who's obviously a king that is now dead and but loved by his people and meant something to his people. And Namor, who's going to be trying to be a king, but is obviously going to be a mutant and has winged feet and is probably not loved by his people. As much, and how T'Challa's example could maybe affect Namor by the end of this story. So, I think there is going to be something very beautiful here, but I hope it's not exploited in the wrong kind of ways, is what I will say. And it was weird to see it as the kind of culminating thing of Hall H, and I understand why it had to happen, but it was also just kind of a little bit strange to me, but, um, yeah, so that's my heavy part. And that's probably
2: the heaviest thing I'll ever say on podcast X. Uh, well, well said Kofi. Um, it's for everything you're saying, it's such a strange thing, how challenging this film must have been, not just to talk about at an event and then start the marketing campaign you know, the, the shocking reality of like the corporateness of it all and being Disney and Kevin Feige up there on top of that. Right. But, um, challenging to make and talk about but uh, even if they try to do what they did before there's no winning right? I mean we could talk about like you know they they, they started and ended the panel with this project. It's the next one in line to come out in theaters. They've done, done no marketing up until this moment which is very unusual for them. They're usually, usually always teasing in advance you know if, if Thor came out there was no no talk of Black Panther um, and then but you go back to Comic Con 2019 and did the same sort of thing right with Black Widow uh, where like they talked about all this stuff and then the next movie in line, this is the one that kind of brought out at the end, end of the show, I guess alongside Blade, but even doing that here, sorry, Kofi. Uh, I was going to say, before we get too far, I just want to sum up because now that I stopped talking, I
1: actually got my own thoughts back together. And I want to say like what I was trying to kind of say, and I don't think I said this out loud because I was getting too emotional about other things, but the connection that I made was, looking at the SR sign and looking at what was happening on stage was black Panther was what kind of messed me up as personally an African-American was the idea that even when things are really great and things you are happy and you should be happy about that, there almost has to be this element of sadness attached to it, which is the kind of dichotomy that can really bother some black people. Like I was happy at once to see how, you know what the work these people had made for Black Panther two, but I was also sad to know that this film would be largely kind of marketed and sold on the loss of Chadwick Boseman. I was happy, so happy to see, you know, the SR sign on stage at Hall H, which was something we had, you know, all three of us had probably been fucking dreaming about since 2010 Jeez, yeah. when we saw the Avengers. But at the same time, have it be something that. You know, I was no longer connected to. I wasn't necessarily part of that dream when it actually got achieved. So it was that mix of always knowing, like, I'm happy, but I'm also sad at the once in these two very kind of non connected to me public ways and very connected to me personal ways, which was like just kind of a weird mind fuck about the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like, I can certainly. Like I can certainly see that, and as you know, especially as it pertains to—I mean, even you know—it's not a like. I can't even imagine how you necessarily feel in that scenario because, you know, it's bittersweet for me just to having recently left SR to sort of see like you know the same the same thing, but like obviously having a different experience and a different worldview and everything, um, and not well, having that clear. connection. To-
1: it's not like. I do not not want this thing that we built to do well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you want it. I am proud every day that it's still around, that it's still as good as it is, as good as you guys have made it. I'm proud of every single person who we, you know, trained, who has grown, who's going out to kick ass. Like, I'm proud of that shit every day. Yeah. But like I said, it was just kind of a weird experience because you have to also weigh the things you're sad about against the things you're happy about. And it was just a weird kind of reminder that, yeah, and there's a uniquely black experience in a way to always have to have some kind of weird, deep sadness attached to even the most joyous things you should be happy about.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you're totally right about the trailer too. I mean, the trailer, there's a lot of celebration in it. There's a lot of, you know, like uniquely sort of black things about it that make it clear. It's like, you know, it's Ryan Coogler and he's back, but at the same time, you know, in order for Shuri or whoever is going to step into the mantle as, as Black Panther to, you know, ascend, you have to deal with this, like, horrific thing that the reality outside of the film that also exists has to exist within the film of, of losing this actor and losing this character. Um, that is a, a relatively unique, I would say. I agree, especially given the amount of limited you know, IP that is so inherently kind of black and celebrates black culture, the way that the black Panther has kind of broken through the, the cultural zeitgeist, I guess. But I, Listen, uh, we
1: just can never show my son this panel.
2: There's just too many questions. I can't answer. Yeah. <laughs> Bury this panel photo. Uh, yeah. What you say Kofi is like a third, I didn't even consider this. It's like, a, it's a third layer, man. Cause it's like, you know, it's, there's the emotional weight of everything that's happening for all the reasons you said, but the SR part of it, I, I didn't even consider it. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, I guess not being there makes me, you know, I I don't know, but I will will say this. No, let me say this. Let me say this. Um, What we're talking about a little bit speaks to why we're doing this podcast in the first place. Because I think Ben and I can both agree. Like, we've missed those days, man. We all do. Like, back when it was a small crew and and you were the editor-in-chief of Man, those were the fucking, even those Comic-Cons, to keep it on topic, like, just like. It was easier back then because it was like, it was a passion project, but also we turned into a career and we turned into a successful business, but there was like f- three, four five and then maybe 10 of us, you know what I mean? And now, well, we're all in, in we've all seen what happened to what we built and, and, and all the things around us and where we work now, we're all part of these massive corporate machines that have been tremendously successful. We've all grown. Our teams have grown. There's been a great career opportunity. Oh, yeah. We talked about Tyler earlier, and his career has just excelled since our, his little encounter with us. And we see that every day with people in all facets of our organizations and all of our sites, and where Ben works now too. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I do these stay. are
1: first world problems in the end of the day. But uh, no, it's better cool have it, it, better to look at something you may not. It may not be yours anymore, but you know that you had a hand in and, and see it out in the world. It's better than
2: seeing your business. You know. Something you built collapse and fall, hundred percent, and it it speaks deep to why the. For those listening, the three of us have been talking for years, like literally, about making something like this happen. Right? It's it's a a touchback to the past. So
1: yeah, but no, man, I have enough therapy now. I'm not trying to go backwards. Like I said, it was just a (laughs) weird convergence. It was a very weird convergence of moments. I think it was also circumstantial, like. The first time I ever saw the SR banner in Hall H had to be, like, when I noticed it, like, when I finally noticed it, it was, like, the Black Panther <laughs> cast were, like, in tears. The Guardians of the Galaxy tears. Oh, my tear- God. I, I, I didn't sad. even know. I didn't even like, know was and a logo I was just, there. Like, <laughs> I was just like, oh, Man, like
2: you get a podium logo. You get your little podium logo. That's why I didn't notice it at oh, first. Oh, I didn't even see that in the photo of Ash. Like I, I thought the only thing that happens at the beginning, they had, for those who didn't know, by the way, the panel begins with Miss Minutes from Loki on stage introducing the panelists. And they introduced like, screaming, that's Ash Cressan. And I thought that was like the end of it. You know what I mean? But uh, that's cool. I didn't realize there was a logo there too. So,
1: uh, You know, it could be crazy making that up. But in my head, I know who Ash is. So yeah, that's it. That's mean. it. That's the yeah. – oh. Yeah, I knew it was you guys. So I was like, "Wait, holy shit!"
0: <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Props that, Ash up to Ash for helping make that. That happen, was such too. a like seeing her up there was like a proud moment for me too because like you know I know we kind of made that we made that happen together, Rob, in terms yeah. of getting her in and and like it's been so cool to see even from the outside now, um, you know, not like managing things anymore like Uh, wait
1: till Ben's episode 10 years from now or six years from now you'll see what I mean yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well no I mean I'm glad you shared that Kobe I think that's uh, this is why people I think wanted us to come together and stuff too you know it's like what Ra was saying it's like yeah well there's don't
1: really have any other outlets for that kind of thing yeah not really an editorial I can drop yeah but uh, no I mean it was just a weird thing because I wanted to talk speak to because you know it's conversations I had on the side yeah not about this, you know, the SR part of it, but about just the general gist of it and kind of what that trailer felt like and all that stuff. Um, yeah, but uh, just to bring this all around to one final point that's a little bit lighter. You guys really think it's going to be Shuri in that outfit? I don't. Because I don't. I, I think it's going to be Lapita Nyong'o. Yeah, that's right. I I, the trailer sets, sets it up nice to be, be. I feel like the trailer does just sort just of set that, that up. The trailer. Yeah. yeah, she's the first person in the trailer, and I feel like this franchise, Letitia Wright's not ready for that. Like, she's just not there yet. Like, yeah. I think Lupita Nyongo is an Oscar winner. If anybody's going to be embraced as, you know, taking over for Chadwick, it's going to be her. Um, I think Naki, Nakia is established in the very first movie as being her own kind of James Bond style person yeah, who's able to do, go out and save people and do humanitarian stuff. And, you know, when he shows up to save her, she's like, I didn't need you. And like, you know, she could
0: easily be the Black Panther who goes out in the world and does yeah. stuff outside of Wakanda. I very much feel like this trailer set that up. Um, for a long time, I always assumed it was Shuri that was going to take over. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the trailer definitely implies that that there's a real there's a real chance, if not a you know a higher than likely
2: probability, higher than
0: not likely probability that she's the one.
2: Yeah, I think part of the story will be uh, figuring out who the mantle is, and we might even see different versions of Black Panthers, or different people in costumes potentially. But they, I mean, you know, the, I'm sure the original long term plan was to shift that towards Shuri in the long term future. But like, um, I do think the idea of having nakia do it and then separating the leadership of wakanda from like the warrior mantle is kind of a neat idea because it does let you do the thing kofi said we have more even yeah. you know you can explain it better than you can in the comics of why black panther can sh- show up at other world events and, and not be in wakanda all the time right so yeah yeah that makes sense. Uh,
0: yeah and
1: i think shuri is going to be kept as like the tony stark type figure yeah. yeah like engineer kind of science person she'll say she can do more good setting up imagine, iron heart blah, blah blah let's go yeah cool. And uh, that way, we can keep Letitia right in a nice little clip, right? Yeah. yeah, keep her towards the science stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the science stuff that she has. Yes. Yeah. There's a real <laughs> irony there for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, anything, uh, anything else you guys want to? I mean, we're at, we're way over time, but this has been oh, yeah. it's been a very thorough uh, thorough breakdown that you guys have, have put together for everybody. So you know,
2: I'll say one more point. I don't want to start whole conversation on it, but like you know, years ago, Taiwan, uh, there's always we made big headlines. Every time Kevin Feige made a quote, like I have the next 10 Marvel movie movies planned, or I have a whole th- th- calendar on my board up to 2028 of Marvel movies. And I wonder now given the fast tracking of everything because of Disney plus, if that 2028 plan is now like 2024 and if they've added that since then, or they just added in more elements and we still have like, I'm absolutely certain like phases seven, eight, nine are planned. You know what I mean? Cause it's going to yeah. be three years, right? It's three years of content probably. Um, so I guess we'll, yeah, it's weird how fast tracking this is. This is all happening, but uh, yeah, in my it head is boggles my mind when I think about that. So
0: it's true. We'll uh, we'll see. We didn't really. We'll have to maybe unpack a few of these things down the line as more news comes out. Because you know, like we were, we said up top, you know, we were worried they would like rush it in the previous podcast, and you know, now we have this sort of what appears to be kind of a, at least rush towards some storylines that we were hoping would would be a little bit drawn out, but, but, you know, a lot of cool stuff on the horizon, just like, like we've said, um, even when Marvel sort of falls flat, these are still entertaining movies. So this is a lot of entertaining content that's going to be coming people's way, even if, uh, some of it is better than, than others, but, um, all right, well that'll do it for this, uh, this week's episode of podcast X you can follow me at Ben Kendrick. That's B E N K E N D R I C K. Check out what I'm doing over at Rise at
2: Seven, Mr. Rob Keys. You can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore Keys. That's K E Y E S. I'm Failcube on Twitch and Instagram, and then uh, our comic on interviews on all the sites will be going up over the next week or two because it's just you know backlog, too much content. So stay for stay looking forward to that. Awesome, Mr. Kofi Outlaw. You can find me over
1: at Comic Book. You can also find me uh, on Twitter at Kofi Outlaw or under my secondary Twitter handle at Comic Book Nation, which is the uh, only podcast out here, including this one that does all things geek culture. So we do Marvel, DC, anime, movies, TV, wrestling, gaming, all, all of it. And it's uh, it can get a little crazy because uh, that's a lot to do, but uh, we do it every week. So uh, you can check me out there if you want to hear these kind of raw, unfiltered things. Be sure to check out Podcast X here, where I'm a regular guest appearer. And tonight's drink was a uh, simple
0: Paloma. Ooh, nice, nice. The uh, uh, yeah, give us a review on your podcast platform of choice. We will see you guys next week. I don't. There's not a whole lot happening this week, so we'll uh, we'll you know we'll come up with a, we'll come up with something fun for next week.
1: We have to yeah. now talk the Gray Man because that's a whole
2: franchise. Yeah, I guess oh, that's true. true. I we should talk true. Nope as well. I haven't seen it yet, but oh,
1: that's true. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going
0: to see Nope tomorrow with my dad and brother. So cool. yep. Oh yeah, let's definitely talk Nope. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to hear what you guys thought of that.
1: All right. Oh, I didn't even talk about my. Other Comic-Con experience, I saw this new movie, Barbarian, starring oh. Justin Long and uh, Bill Skarsgård, and that shit is wild. Did, that did shit see, is wild. Did
0: you see Prey? Did you get a chance to
1: see No, Prey? I have a screener sitting right here. I got that uh, today, too. Yeah. Anybody. but Oh, I've had yeah. it. I did not know because they, they're they funny because they sent it to me early, and then they didn't tell me why. Like They just said, oh, Social Embargo will be up on July 21st, and I didn't read that fine print. If I had, I probably would have sussed out what was happening. But yeah, I didn't, yeah. so like it came out, and so all our editors were like, "Who's seen prey? Who's seen prey?" And I just looked at my inbox and was like, "Ooh, <laughs> my laptop!" And I was like, "Oh, uh, oh, prey? What's <laughs> that?" No, I try to do it every night. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, amazing. That's funny. And I was just like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I complain like I've been left out in the cold or something, but like I now have three emails. Uh, my old Gmail that we used for SR, which. Half the industry doesn't think I ever left SR, which is a funny thought. <laughs> Anybody who works in the industry, pundits, have no idea I worked there, but half the PR people never understood that I stopped working there, so they never stopped <laughs> sending me stuff. I get, I get every single New York screening every single day, and oh, half wow. the LA ones all the time. Yeah, so I had to abandon that mailbox. My comic book mailbox eventually got overrun when we did enough good work to you know get PR stuff there, and now my CBS email is getting overrun too. Oh, jeez. So. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so it's a fun thing. I don't know where half of this stuff ends up. It, it can end up in any one of those three. Any screening invite, any, like, party invite, any, like, any material. So, yeah, you got to try to track this shit down when you can. Oh, speaking of which, I didn't even say, shout out to Rob Keys for uh, helping me out as my guy in the chair during Comic-Con. Uh, Rob Keys was kind enough to uh, help me on some of the PR front and uh, when it, vis-a-vis getting to parties
2: party time hey, still got it baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he was helping me even from even the not there. From the <laughs> that's, a, that's hilarious part
1: of like social information I was texting Rob Keys and being like what's it up <laughs> and uh, yeah he was my guy in the chair so uh, shout uh, out to Rob Keys to I help. To literally the guy Comic in the chair all, <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, all right well funny. we should we should make a uh, we should make a pack that all three of us go next year so we can all meet up and record a podcast X line. yeah I was sad
1: you guys weren't there I was I was that was the one regret I had for Comic Con this was the been the year that would have been really perfect if you guys were also yeah, back, it and would we have been, were back sure. on top of like the fandom thing on top of the Hard Rock because oh, yeah. DJ from Amsterdam uh, yeah. this time and it would have been like it's no Daughtry but we'll make do. Amazing, but there wasn't. <laughs> angry old weird men shouting about weird stuff. With angry old short. Oh, God. Yes. Opposite uh, political spectrum men. There's none uh, yeah. of that, weirdly
0: enough. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 That's that that. that. <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, who is that? People are like America's divisive today. I was like, "Bitch, where you
0: bitch? <laughs> <Like, laughs> have you met? Yeah, have you met our you old boss?" These you? fights in two thousand nine. Yeah. Like, oh man. <laughs> um, oh yeah, that's yeah. funny. But that's a story for another. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Let's get out of here. Yeah. yeah. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode. We'll see you guys next week.